This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 192. Still not sure what time zone I'm in. My name is Nick Howell. And preparing for glory in the Royal Rumble Patrons Pick'em's Challenge, and that's not a prediction, that's a spoiler. Uh I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome back to the show. My goodness, Nick, what a week. It has been, and Indeed. I mean for you, for per- you personally, not just for like. I've been around the world, and, and I, yeah, yeah, I, I am up. <laughs> and yes, I, I've been on both coasts, uh, out in the drinking with you on Monday yep. night, live streaming a show on Tuesday, back work in the last couple of days. Holy smokes, it has been one of those whirlwind kind of weeks for me, but. <sighs> Back, back now. in the comfort now, of the Orbital sir. Jigsaw Network Arena right here mm. in Raleigh, North Carolina. Happy yeah. to be with you, sir, uh, doing some gonna, more we're gonna wrestling work on, on the graphs. <laughs> yeah. We're going to work on that. The title of the show still says L.A. The, the Danger Cave here is still in L.A., yeah. but the Orbital Jigsaw Network still out there in Raleigh, North Carolina. Man, Nick, there was a lot to discuss. Uh, obviously, our Saturday show is a big show because we have to discuss AEW. NXT. We had to talk about SmackDown. We're on the road to the Royal Rumble, which is coming up next week, I believe. A week from tomorrow. It's the Royal Rumble already. You remember back in November when I was saying, yeah, it's like three weeks? It felt like it. (laughs) Like three weeks. Boom! It's here already. Holy shit. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But (laughs) Nick, uh, it's also going to go really fast if we're not careful. We're going to be through the show, and we're not going to, oh my god, we still have so much to talk about. (laughs) Let's do some housekeeping, and then we'll get into the show, and we'll get to all the good stuff. Yes, indeed, guys. As always, come join us over on Facebook. Uh, Just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook.com, and you can find us over there. Like our page, and send us a join request to get into the discussion group. We're with the rest of the phenomenal ones. Shout out to everybody in the live chat today. Thank you for joining us live right here on YouTube. But to get into uh, Facebook you want to make sure you get into our Discord as well. You'll find a link to it at the top of the discussion group and pinned to all of our social media profiles where we have live chats all throughout the week for every single show, uh, AEW, NXT, SmackDown, Raw, pay-per-view dedicated channels, all that stuff. And it keeps Sheriff McDonald sane from having to uh, delete spoilery kind of posts out of the discussion group 
all of the live chats all the time, all throughout the week happening over in our budding, budding wrestling Discord community. Uh, Nick, while we're, while we're at it, a quick hat tip yeah. to Sheriff McDonald. Sheriff. 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 <clears throat> Uh, let's see. We can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, streaming live right here at you on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Make sure you're subscribed. We are on that race to a thousand subscribers. We are cooking up some different ideas that we can do, and I've kind of loosely set the new goal, Sir Ian Dangerous, for WrestleMania Sunday. It's it's up to us to decide if we can get to a thousand subscribers mm. by the time we get to WrestleMania. My what what special reward are we going to give the YouTube subscribers for that? So more on that as we mm. get closer and closer to Mania. Uh, last but certainly not least, speaking of the Patron Pick'em's Challenge, thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, you guys are the fuel that rocks this machine, and if you'd like to get in on that, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for one of those reward tiers because you're going to want to be in at least the $5 tier. It is the biggest value tier there because uh, you get the ability to ask listener questions every single week for our patron mailbag show which we'll be doing immediately after this one uh you get access to uh, a copy of the show notes that we use to make the show every single episode and in addition you are going to be have a free entry into our patron pickums challenge for all of our big four pay-per-views the next one coming up the royal rumble reigning champion brian average will be defending his patron pickums championship for the very first time and I listen, guys. We had a lot of fun with the with the um, uh, promos and things that were coming up for Survivor Series a couple of months ago. It's time to get in on the road to WrestleMania, and I want to see those ramp up again because <laughs> Brian is You're a so entertained by them. Is a nubile champ. He's defending he it for nubile? the first time. He's the first time he's made it to prominence, and he is the dragon to slay. He is the one to go after, and boy. We're going to come after him. That is for sure. So, but you, to be able to get in on that, patreon.com slash BWR. Bonus episodes, all kinds of good stuff over there as well. So, make sure you get in. Uh, Ian, it's as much wrestling as we have to talk about. I was very uh, emotionally moved by something this week. And I think uh, we need to go over and talk about that in the big news. Well, the big news this week, and it is sad news, rest in peace, Rocky Johnson. Uh, Soul Patrol! Soul Man, Rocky Johnson. He was a, in a tag team with, with uh, Tony Atlas. Uh, jacked Tony Atlas. Both of them were jacked. <laughs> Who was more jacked between the two of them? Nobody. Dang. Uh, yeah, and he's, of course, as everyone might know him better as, the father of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, and they apparently had a very complex relationship. Um, not exactly the uh, the easiest guy to get along with was Soul Man uh, J- uh, Johnson. But um, that actually is summed up really well. The the Rock actually wrote on Twitter uh, a, a beautiful little eulogy for his for his pops. Uh, I'd recommend checking that out. It's it's long and it's eloquent. I don't want to I don't want to ruin it, but it's uh, it, it really kind of sums it all up. Where he felt a really deep affection and love for his father. But at the same time, like, accepted that he was a really complex guy. But he also had a very storied career. Um, and was actually, there's a lot of aspects of his wrestling career that I didn't know until just recently. For instance, I didn't know that he actually trained with Muhammad Ali. And that no, his, I didn't know Ma- that either. His, his Ali shuffle was because he was his sparring partner. Like, wow. he was a legit 
top level boxer as well. He just happened to get into pro wrestling. Um, but uh, you know, I did know that he was had one of the best drop kicks of that I've ever seen. At least in the seventies, he was just like the drop kick guy, um, as well as having a ton of personality, which is why he fit in really well with in WWE. He was WWE's first African American tag champ, uh, along with Tony Atlas. So, uh, yeah, very, you know, very famous guy, very, very storied guy, a uh, big part of wrestling history and unfortunately passed away uh, this couple days ago at 75 after a short illness. So uh, rest in peace, Rocky. What, uh, what, what made you so uh, emotional about it, Nick? It was one of the first, um, it was one of the first African-Americans in wrestling that I remember, that a lot of us might remember. And it's it, the thing that made me uh, – WWE does a really good job of making these eulogy, obituary-style uh, promo packages, video packages, reminding us of just how impactful he was, all of those things. So at the end of the day, I was – it wasn't the fact that he's he gave us the rock later on. It was what the <laughs> – He and his wife gave us the rock, let's be clear. <laughs> sure. That, that's actually a better way to say it. But right. at the end of the day – it's the impact that he had on wrestling as a whole, turning that ship, um, you know, not just for African-Americans, but for, for guys like him, you know, and he's got a likeness of just a big super hoss dude that was, he's one of the first guys that was like jacked and cut up that I can remember. Most of the guys in, a lot of the guys in the late seventies and early eighties were, they were big boys, but they were, they had some, they were husky. A little hush. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I can remember. I remember Soul Patrol. I remember him and Tony Atlas. And I remember just thinking of just how big, strong, muscle-bound superheroes those guys were. And it was just. It was one of those. It was one of the few people that I remember from a very, very young age that stand out to me. Um, I, right up there with Sheik and Flair and you know uh, Slaughter. I, I can rattle off probably five to six of them that I that really stand out from my really young childhood. When I first started watching it with uh, with my grandfather, but he when was you were watching it, you were you were watching in the Carolinas, right? Yes, uh, but we you had ever, the big we had the big satellite dish thing. Remember? I have a question. Yeah. Did you ever remember seeing a masked wrestler called Sweet Ebony Diamond? Doesn't Does ring a bell. Doesn't ring a bell. No. Because if you had, that was Rocky Johnson. Oh, okay. He actually worked the Carolinas under a mask as <laughs> Sweet Black Diamond, Sweet Ebony, Sweet Ebony Diamond, which is the greatest name ever. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so he what a, what a career, and he was actually big in my hometown of San Francisco or home area of San Francisco, the up in the Bay Area, Cow Palace. Um, so uh, yeah, unbelievable, sad, sad to see him go. His yeah, impact but, was uh, felt. I mean, it was, and, and I was reminded of that last night or, or throughout the week, I should say, with um, especially with the eulogy video package last night. Uh, they did a really good job of that, and you missed it. If you missed it on SmackDown, go check it out. Uh, not to be, you know, not to not mention them. AEW also did a, uh, an, a in memoriam at the top of the show, at the top of Dynamite uh, for Rocky Johnson. So he, to the industry as a whole, he had a really big influence. And uh, I was, I don't know, it was one of those kind of just moments yeah. going down memory lane. I'm not gonna lie, it's one of those ones that like I, he had such a big influence on the on wrestling but then you kind of forget about it until something like this happens and then you go oh damn right he totally <laughs> was a big part of it and you just and, and then you feel bad about having forgotten it so yeah i and i do feel kind of bad yeah. but yes that being said we know and now we remember him very fondly and uh with great honor so rest in peace rocky johnson rest in peace sir um but nick let's move on from 
reflection and sadness, and let us move forward into what happened this week because it was a very big week on top. There's a ton of news to talk about this week, too, man. Down the news section is going to be long. But before we get to that news segment, we have to discuss AEW. The saga of Hangman Page continues to develop. And if you are a fan of long-term storytelling and long-term booking, you're probably enjoying the shit out of this because none of us have any idea where it's going. We just know Was he? the pressure cooker Re- is tightening up a little bit. Did you ever play Red Dead Redemption 2? Of course. Was he was he recreating a scene from that, or was it just me at one point in the show this week? Uh, I, I Wow, I didn't put when that he, together. When he, was talking, when he was talking to the PA backstage, I don't know. I, I Maybe I, I was just seeing things. But yeah, this, this has been very entertaining watching him kind of devolve. Uh, even while moving upwards, there was a four-way tag match this week uh, best friends, proud and powerful, the Bucks, and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, who don't really have a name for their team yet. Uh, they're just two singles wrestlers working together, which Nick normally hates. But it's actually kind of working here. And they won this four-way tag team match, which was a big old fun spot fest, the kind that you would expect from Bucks booking. There, there was no entrances, but, no introductions, no nothing. It was just there, and it just happened. And it was four of arguably the better tag teams in the world just having a match and just going crazy. It was a spot fest. Everybody got their shit in, and it just you're just sitting there eating your popcorn going, this is exactly what I want to be watching right well, now. Well, and what would, you, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to have, like, WWE, a bunch of entrances and promos, and then we have the match, or just like, hey, welcome to AEW. Here's the match. Boom. Bang. We're off to the um, races. I, and I can, I can see there's times you want to start with a promo. There's times you want to, you know, slow, slowly ramp it up and tell people why they're there. I thought this was a great way to start the show with just fireworks. And it was a kickoff um, for the, I guess, what is it, a nine-day event, I guess, technically we're having with Bash at the Beach. This Bash was the kickoff. The uh, so everybody's oh, in their costumes and their their beach wear. Even Justin yeah. Roberts, the ring announcer, is in his like white beach shirt with his flip-flops on. and just <laughs> What a good graphics- time. All looked like 80s throwback graphics. We had lifeguards in chairs and skimpy bathing suits all over the yep. arena. You know, just really set the motif for that. They're really going all in on this Bash at the Beach thing, and I, I loved it. I had an absolute blast with the whole Bash at the Beach thing. I just wanted to yep. throw a little nod out there for that. As someone who grew up in the 80s, I always love 80s throwback stuff. I'm yes. like listening to Synthwave these days, and I go, <laughs> yeah! Oh, this is awesome! Uh, so this that was a lot of fun, and to have this uh, very high-energy match open it up, I thought was great. However, uh, not everyone thought that uh, Corbin, Baron Corbin, uh, probably trying to get some heat for himself, threw out a tweet saying, "This is like what the hell? This had there's no logic behind this match. There's you know it's just a whole bunch of spots. It's all choreographed. This is garbage. Who would start their show like this?" Um, and of course, <laughs> of course, that set everybody off, including right. Dave, including Dave Meltzer, who was like, "Wait, oh, no! How dare you!" Um, so yeah, not everyone thought this was the the best style of match. Um, what do you think, Nick? Like when you want to, when you want, you're a tag team guy. You like, you love watching tag matches. Yeah. Was this your kind of tag match or do you like a little more psychology and less just like of a spot fest? This was steeped in psychology. Like you think that you had the story, especially the ending around with the blind tag again from Hangman Page to get in and quote unquote steal the win, doing air quotes if you're not watching on YouTube. Uh, so I mean, that was all there. Is Orange Cassidy not the most over person in wrestling right now? Uh, some, of, some of those pops that that dude gets for basically nothing, doing nothing, <laughs> uh, doing the hands in the pockets He's, and doing a tope. I'll give you this. He gets the most for doing the least. Brilliant way to put it. 
Um, but I, all of this stuff going on, you had the, the best friends trying to get a hug in and they couldn't get it done. There, there's a lot of stuff going on here, but yes, for the most part, this was, I like it. You asked a question. Is it, do, do fans like one or the other? I like a healthy mix of both. Sometimes I just want to watch halftime heat and I just want to watch four crazy tag teams and four, 10 wrestlers just go nuts and hit all their big spots and, boom, right. and pop the crowd and, you got to give credit to the crowd here because they were really into it as well, and it makes it that much more fun. But I, I do also like my drama. I do also like my promos and my storytelling and stuff. So I feel like this was a healthy mix of both. We didn't waste any time. We just kicked things off right out of the gate. I was a fan. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think that whatever you think of this style of match, to have this style of match at the top of your show, hook people in, get them excited. You know, it's it's a it's a bunch of exciting moves. And then you have the more psychological matches later. You have like slower, more technical matches later. Right. I think that's I think that's a smart way of building a show. Um, so if you're if you're complaining about this style of match, well, it wasn't like that was the only style of match they had for the entire show. This is just a type of match. It's it's a way of working a match to get a crowd hype, and it worked. I thought so. Yeah. And as you said, they were still able to tell some story with it with Omega and Hangman holding on and, and almost kind of despite themselves or because Omega's just that good and Hangman's just, he's also good, but still kind of riding Omega's coattails a bit. Uh, they get it done. And then afterwards, uh, you know, Hangman is still kind of a mess. He's still, he's still been drinking. And, uh, and we see Nick Jackson get into it with him after the match because he yeah. quote, stole the, the, the pin. For, so uh, the, the Young Bucks are getting involved now. They're, well, everyone's kind of a you little know? bit irritated or, or upset with Hangman, and Hangman is upset with them. You know, I, I, If you watch uh, Being the Elite, they're continuing the story over there quite extensively yep. um, with Hangman just being a bit of a mess. But then also the Bucks and Omega kind of letting him down too where – you know, Omega's like, dude, I'll get, you, I'll give you a ride, and Hangman's like, okay. But then Omega gets distracted on the way to giving him a ride, and Hangman's just kind of left to wander backstage until he just finds some more things to drink. Um, which reminds me, if you're going to go see an AEW show live, have a blast. Just keep your drink away from Hangman because he will steal it. Yeah, that's been his thing lately. Uh, so a great way to start the show. Unfortunately, the show did not was not good for its entire runtime. There was, I think, actually probably one of the most egregious examples of how poorly their women's division is getting booked right now. And that was the match between Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander versus Brandy Rhodes and Mel. Uh, originally, this was supposed to be, instead of Brandy Rhodes, Awesome Kong and Mel. But they had to sub in Brandy at the last minute because Kong got injured. Um, or she had Nick, the flu or something. The flu, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was out She was out sick. She was out. She missed her flight. Temporarily. <laughs> uh, some sort of illness. Yeah. But so we ended up getting Statlander and Hishida versus Mel and Brandy Rhodes. And strangely, not only did the heels not look that strong at all, they got beat pretty handily in a very awkward match. Uh, Mel got pinned by Statlander after a pile driver. And mm, I, I got to say, Nick, I, I know that Brandy's not a wrestler, she's a personality. Um, and that just due to that fact and the fact that it was her and Mel, they probably should have lost just, you know, as far as a wrestling standpoint. But I feel like they missed a few opportunities with this match to advance the story of Brandy Rhodes and her Nightmare Collective. Because right now, they already seem like a bit of a joke. Even with Luther on the sidelines, like with this match, like it just... Had no effect, it, really. There was, right, there was nothing for her story-wise. There was nothing for her... 
her her faction story wise here. Sheeta and Statlander didn't come out as looking any better. They just look like they can wrestle a match. And they also, it was kind of the whole thing was kind of awkward with a lot of missed spots. And it was just, it was not good, Nick. No, were they, look, listen, I have nothing really new to say that I haven't said the last couple of weeks. It's not putting the belt on Statlander against Riho last week and then doing the beatdown and then promoting Nightmare Collective and all of that stuff. That would have really set them at, at odds with each other and it would have put moved things forward much better. This was just a continuation of the mess-up from last week. It's not improved. I don't think it's gotten any worse because it's there's not much for <laughs> much further for it to go. Uh, do I am I mad that Sheeta and Statlander won? I, I don't know that I care because it still feels very directionless. Like it doesn't feel like there's a point to either of them winning. Like what's the benefit of right. either one it's of the them winning? Goal. Why does it matter? There's no angle, there's no story here. And, and that, you know what you you point you hit on something there where there's no story. They had an opportunity last week when Brandy was on commentary for her to say why she was interested in Statlander. Give us like why do you care? Why should we care about your interest in Statlander uh, beyond the fact that she's a good wrestler? So Sheeta So's Riho, and she's the champ. Why don't you care about her? Where's the, what's going on here? And it's just it's uh, so nebulous at this point that there, as you said, there's no reason to care. No, nope. and and I hate to say it at this point, I think they're doing a better job with Sasha Bailey and uh, and Lacey than they're doing with this particular feud in, in AEW's. Oh my God, they women's are, tag they? division. They they are Nick. Like that's how bad it's gotten. <laughs> Um, and I wonder, I, I'm trying to think like what they could do to, to, to fix it. I mean, definitely define more, uh, what the nightmare collective is, why it is, why Brandy is suddenly a psychopath. Uh, you know what her interest is in Chris Statlander, where we're going with Statlander. Like, you know, it, her whole alien gimmick to me is still a little bit goony. I haven't quite got on board with it yet. Um, she hasn't been given a chance to develop or to be defined what it is. So yeah, I, I, that I'm kind of okay with, but it's it's a the women's division is going to bury whatever it could potentially could be if they don't allow her to rise to some level of prominence. Look at I mean if they can get Orange Cassidy over, if he can get himself over doing just putting his hands in his pockets and little boop kicks on it on somebody's leg she can absolutely get the little boop on the nose or whatever it is or maybe that means something tell me a story give me a stake give me some outcomes it's just yeah. none i don't know of it's it a little, means anything it's a little mork and mindy alien for me right now like nanu nanu boop you know like it's not it's uh, give me, i need a little more than that but that's, right. i'm 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 nitpicking a little bit on her gimmick. Like, it, it's not it's not the worst gimmick they have. <laughs> tell, tell me uh, the other like, women's gimmick in that women's division that you actually like more. Um. Well, Awesome Kong. I'm huge and I kill you. <laughs> right. Same That's thing for Nyla Rose. Uh, Hikaru Shida. I'm a badass Joshi. That's pretty much her gimmick. And it's I. I'm much more sold on Hikaru Shida, just coming out and being a badass. Uh, than Statlander right now. As much as Statlander is, is great, but at any rate, wait, wait, wait. No. Um, I do want to say really quickly, Nicholas Yates, thank you so much for oh, the $6 man. tip. $6 Dude, in the tip jar. Brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought this match was, 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 was bad. It was one of the worst things I've seen on AEW TV yet. Luckily, yep. that was not all there was because we had tons more stuff on this episode, and most of it was really good. Mm -hmm. Like Cody, who is just one of the best promos in the world at this point. I think I think we can say that. Um, after his record, like he's he's just been on a roll. 
Another great promo that he cut on MJF this week. Basically, he's accepting his uh, his stipulations, which were can't touch MJF until revel into the Revo- Revolution pay per view. Uh, he has to have a cage match with Wardlow, and he has to get whipped ten times uh, on his knees by MJF in the ring. Uh, which, when MJF first said those stipulations, they all sounded fairly uh, extreme. Like but a 12-year-old uh, doing, you know, if a 12-year-old was booking <laughs> wrestling, right? It's kind of uh, what we would do, right? Which is very appropriate. Yeah. But, uh, but I like the, the, the way that Cody, like, I like the psychologically how they're building both these guys. Cody responded to this the way that you would want a fiery baby face to respond to it, which was coming out looking like Don Johnson from Miami Vice, with rolled up sleeves and a or cream Or Grand Theft Auto Vice City, depending on your or perspective. Grand Theft, yeah, how old you are and how much <laughs> right. you remember, you know, the things they actually based Vice City on. Uh, like like Scarface and Miami Vice, but hey. Uh, he comes out and he says, okay, so MJF wants these things. Um, fine. You know what? That's fine. I don't care if, if I can't touch you because I'm already living rent-free fl- rent in your head, MJF. So Brilliant. I've already got you wrapped around my finger. I don't have to touch you for that. Uh, would I wrestle Warlow in a steel cage? Yes. It's going to backfire because you're gonna, he's, he's going to realize when he gets in a cage with me that he shouldn't be carrying your bags. It should be the other way around, not not you know the way it is right now. Uh, and then finally, oh, I'm going to take ten lashes live on TV. Well, that's fine because welting and bleeding is the least that's going to happen in this little feud of ours. I can take that a little bit just to get my hands on you. So, mm-mm-mm. good stuff. Um, and he finished it off by saying, "MJF, you think that you're that uh, uh, you're writing your own story, but." I'm a Rhodes, and you're just another chapter in my book. Damn. So, mm, uh, uh, Cody laying down the fire. Uh, is he? Uh, I mean, I think this is a rhetorical question. Is he one of the best guys right now at, at talking a, a, a match into existence? Whether it's his brother, whether it's Jericho, whether it's uh, MJF now, like to have like almost no physicality between, you know, a certain point, like months before the match and the match. Cody can come out there and talk butts into seats. All we've all we've got is a low blow, a kick to the groin from from MJF. That's all the physicality we've had out of this, and it might be one of the most hyped things. Listen, we all knew when MJF was coming out, we had the teases with the chair. We all knew at some point it wasn't if it was when MJF was going to turn on of Cody, course. and we we rode that train for like three months, and finally it happened. And all we've had is a kick to the groin, and all of us. Don't tell me anybody is not excited about that match because we all sure. are. It, it's going to be nuts, especially the Wardlow-Cody in a steel cage stipulation. I can't wait to actually see Wardlow get his hands on somebody in AEW. All of this, yeah, I, like I'm the over the voice. moon about. Well, and it's just because something's hot doesn't mean you can't turn up the burner just a little bit higher. Yep. Uh, I, I do want to point out one more thing about this segment is that at no point did we see a video package recap of anything. This was all Cody using his mouth to tell us what happened, including at one point he had like actually just, just graphics like a, like a PowerPoint screen up on, you know, up on the monitors and you could see everything that, that MJF said, but it's just written out. Was that way better than having these, like what they're doing in WWE where they come on and say, I can't believe you did that to me last week. And in case you forgot what you did, here's uh, a video, here's a video. (laughs) And then they're just standing in the ring while the entire audience watches a video. And to be clear, WWE makes some of the best video packages ever. Like they're amazing. But 
is it taking away from stuff like this where you can actually use the performer's talent, you know, kind of what they're there being paid to do, uh, to talk us into seats? I'll say this. Cody's promo on Jericho and Cody's two promos now on M3. Is it three? Two? Three? His promos on MJF are the best I've seen in the last year, hands down. It's they're, they're, It's some of the best. Uh, and I almost look back on early Cody Rhodes, Stardust, things like that, and I, I'm – Hindsight's twenty twenty in a way. I might have rolled my eyes at some of it ten years ago, and looking at it now, I'm going. I'm looking back at it, going, "Oh my god, how good was that guy way back then?" Mm. So just seeing the evolution of Cody over his uh, his tenure in wrestling is is just something to really sit back and appreciate. And we're we're kind of seeing him at the top of his career, the top of his game right now. And frankly, it feels like he could go even higher. Uh, so I, I'm I'm all in on this stuff. I really enjoy the hell out of it. There's a reason that I watch AEW first every week. I know exactly what to expect from NXT. This continues to surprise me in the most in the best ways every single week. So you know what to expect. For, you you watched NXT this week and you knew what to expect. We'll get to that, man. <laughs> we will. Uh, we also get to talk about the Dark Order. They had a little video. A, a video discussing the people that they were targeting right now for recruitment, including uh, Nakazawa, Omega, Cutler, and Hangman Page. So <clears throat> here on, on Being the Elite, you saw Nakazawa looking at his phone. There's a Dark Order uh, screen up, so he's, he's looking. Um, of these four, who do you think will turn and who would be interesting to have turn? Um, Page is the obvious one. It is, isn't it? He's kind of obvious. That but Nakazawa feels like the most vulnerable one. Um, yeah. And that could have a negative... That's going to have a very big negative effect on Omega and I think tells a better story than just Paige turning on the Elite. Finally. Like, we all know it's going to happen inevitably. That would be a huge, huge shock and spoiler and it would really twist Omega inside out. So, I, I don't know. If I were booking this... I might lean a little bit towards Nakazawa just because of what it would do to Kenny. Well, I, I like the idea of them perhaps getting in everyone's mind that it seems most likely that Paige will turn. And then perhaps, you know, having a lot of these hints that he's turning or that he's turned or that he might. And they all the Bucks start suspecting him and Omega's respect suspecting him when things start going like there's a mole in the elite, right? Yep. And then ultimately it turns out to be Nakazawa and the one that you and did not never saw. Page. Right. Boom! Great, Holy great long shit. term. You just Would blew my that. mind. I love it. Oh, Would I love, love that. that. I want that. Now, so. give it to me. <laughs> now that I've said that, they won't do it. No, because I would so, come yeah. It was me all along, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, this is, so this is something that actually is working for the Dark Order, is they've shown that they can be a threat and that they are recruiting people and that more people are joining their, their faction. Uh I mean, night and day with the Nightmare Collective. Like, Dark Order is actually becoming very interesting. Uh, and I'm curious where they're going with that, especially with the rumors about who might ultimately be the leader. That's where I was going. Get out of my head. Of the there Dark is Order. still a little bit of scuttlebutt out there that it could be Broken Woken Matt Hardy being the ultimate uh, orchestrator mm. wizard behind the curtain uh, of this whole right. Dark Order thing. And again, you'd have my full Shh. attention. Uh, that would be, it, this would be incredible. And so. supposedly, they were saying this week that originally the idea was to have Marty Skrull be the, the leader of the Dark Order and have mm -hmm. him show up at their year-end show, um, the one where the Dark Order beat down everybody at the end of the show, and everyone was kind of like, that's a crap way to end your year. Um, if Marty Skrull had been revealed as the leader then, 
we would not have. That would have been a, a huge moment. And then two weeks off. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, obviously, because Marty Skrull had to go take over Ring of Honor instead. And that seems like a, I don't think anyone's going to argue that that was a better deal all around. No. So uh, some other matches on the show. We had a uh, three-on-three, MJF and Butcher and Blade with the Bunny. Defeated uh, Diamond Dallas Page, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall, of course. QT eating the pin as well as an apple. Uh, so, okay, not, not too much I want to say about this match other than, that it, other than that it was very entertaining. But, I mean, my, my big takeaway from this is, damn, DDP. Yeah. Like, obviously being protected a little bit because the dude's not young. He wasn't young when he started wrestling, for God's sake. But uh, the guy's still in incredible shape, and he... <laughs> He jumped off the top turnbuckle to the outside, Nick. What? I, 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 I'm sitting over here. If you're not watching live what? on the stream, I'm, I'm, I'm over here just shaking my head with my hands up because the dude is in his 60s and he's wrestling like he's 29. And I, oh my God. So I, I be right back. I'm going to order some of that DDP Yoda, yoga. DDP <laughs> Yoda. DDP yoga. Downward dog, you will. Yep. <laughs> Get out Jinx. of my head. That was weird. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, very fun match. A uh, lot of big... But MJF riling up the crowd. Uh, but ultimately, uh, his heel team picks up the win, which, they man, they need to. If you're going to have Butcher and Blade be goons, they've got to be goons that win. They're too intimidating looking to have them be losing all the time. Yeah, so. they should have just absolutely destroyed uh, the three... Uh, of them more so than they did, and I. But it's fine. It, yeah. You know, low low blow to win from MJF on uh, on QT, and then that was that. So, yeah. uh, and then then a quick roll up. But uh, we also had let's see, we also had uh, a couple of number one contender qualifier matches. So next week we're having a number one contendership match, and it was the winners of these two matches. We had uh, John Moxley and Sammy Guevara. And Pack and Darby Allen, mm. and the winners of those two matches get uh, a shot at uh, Jericho's title. So uh, let's talk about Mox and Sammy first. Okay. Uh, first, a fun, fun, fun match. Not surprisingly, uh, Moxley ultimately beating Sammy as he should. But then afterwards, out comes the the uh, inner circle to revenge themselves. Last week, Moxley actually drove out to the ring in his Ford GT, which he which he essentially stole from them, which, yeah. they, which they gave him. And then he was like, I'll just take this and beat you guys up anyway. Um, so they beat the crap out of him after this match. He takes a couple of nasty shots, including uh, Jake Hager gives him a running knee to the groin, which looked like it sucked. And then Jericho unscrews a spike from his spiky jacket and stabs it into Moxley's eye. And Moxley's blind. And he has to go to the backstage. And Jericho and, and fans... And as all his buddies gloat to uh, the backstage interviewer saying, that's right, uh, Moxley didn't see us coming. Well, he sure can't see us coming now. Said a bunch, a bunch of eye jokes. And he says, uh, you know, whoever wins Pack Allen should be thanking me because Moxley's going to be in no condition to have that match next week now that he can't see out of one eye. Arr. Uh Point of order. Yes. Next week's show is on the Jericho Cruise. Yes. John Moxley is coming out as a pirate. Would you stop? He is not. He's gonna be. He's gonna have an eye patch. <laughs> you Next watch. Booking, ladies and gentlemen, it's happening. No, I'm not gonna watch. I'll watch with both my eyes closed. I'm on your cruise, and I'm All going right, to so let's, put you down. Before I say who I think he's actually coming out as, let's All talk right. about Pack and Darby Allen, which was. Mm, I loved this match. Just hard hitting, brutal. 
brutal match. Like, Pac was beating the crap out of Darby Allen, which is, I think, kind of what's supposed to happen. Yes. But then Darby was giving some good shots, too, man. That with the crucifix theater. bomb oh! off the top rope. Hello? Oh! How is oh my Pac good- not oh, dead? Oh, my soul. <laughs> uh, He's the bastard. I mean, and and it was. I also liked the story of this match, which was Allen. Like every time he got the upper hand, Pac would just roll out of the way, roll out of the ring or something, right? So he so he couldn't actually get him. Yeah. Uh, the coffin drop to the outside was gnarly too. Like it was, it was exactly what I wanted to see in a Pac versus Darby Allen match. I yes. expected to see certain things. I got every single one of them, uh, including Pac hitting the Black Arrow on Darby Allen's back to win the match. Um, so he basically had to kill Darby to put him down, which is kind of think also kind of Darby's gimmick. Yes. Uh, but he, great. He'll, okay, he'll so. rise from that defeat and everybody will be behind him and it'll be amazing. So, right. Um, the big thing to so, talk about with this was after the match, after right. pa- Pac was cutting his promo with Tony Schiavone in the ring saying like, that, uh, because Moxley wouldn't be able to compete, he was now, he, that's called a forfeit and he is now the number one contender for uh, Chris Jericho's AEW championship. Quick cut to the back. Moxley's in an <laughs> ambulance and starts wrestling 27 producers and referees and, and uh, medical staff and comes storming out bandaged with bandages over his face. Yeah. Looked like Snake from Metal Gear. That's who uh, I think he's coming out as next week. Okay. So yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> coming out of solid snake. Uh, and then he comes out. He goes, there's no way in hell. I'll fight blind if I have to. Both hands yep. just gave a Moxley promo. Just so, so good. And that's what we go out on. And I was, I literally got up out of my chair and I was doing some of this. So Butters, I hear you. I heard you earlier talking about Jericho, Cody, MJF could just talk for two hours, be totally invested. Yep. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna drip a little Moxley on there for you too, because that dude. I could listen to that dude just cut a promo for two hours, and that'd be the show, and I'd stand up and applaud the same way. And can we also talk about the the, the smart booking here of setting it up so that Moxley's already at a disadvantage going into to Pack next week? And Pack is no joke. They've made sure that he's one of the top guys in the company. Yeah. Uh, in terms of wins and losses, so we know you know Moxley's going into this. Normally, you'd think Moxley would win. He's got a win over Pack already, I believe. Maybe maybe more. Um, so going into this, though, now Moxley has been taken down a peg. So that's, I think, now it's made it interesting. Uh, so I like the way that they played all of this. That's, that's all good. That's good storytelling right here. Fantastic. The other thing I want to talk about is Darby Allen, who, I mean, has he, has he won a match yet, Nick? I don't think he has. Not at this uh, point, it, I think the point is he doesn't care. No, no or he nobody cares. Care. Well, he does, but the, here's the thing. He has tweeted out uh, that... Quote, mark my words, I'll end up dead before I take another loss. So I'm very curious what they have planned for Darby Allen at this point. Hmm. So next week we've got Pack versus One-Eyed Mox. Uh, yar. <laughs> yar. I be Moxley. Marksley. Marksley. <laughs> I'm here for your booty, Pack. <laughs> That's right. Ew. <laughs> I'll be taking me peg leg and shoving it up your arse. I've come to plunder your booty. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, this is getting weird. We have Joey Janela will be facing off against Phoenix, which we found out because Janela cut a promo backstage about how 2020 is his year and doesn't matter how many times his ex hits him in the nuts. Uh, he's going to show how this is his year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be on, as you said, the Jericho Ruse. Um, what, so, yeah, I, I'm loving this Bash of the, Bash of the Beach setup. 
I'm very curious to see how they do this on the Jericho cruise. That's going to be nuts. Talk about very interesting must-see TV. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, AEW staying very, very interesting. But not to be outdone, Mr. Howell. Mm. Not to be outdone. We had another show on Wednesday night. And my goodness, it was also a doozy. That, of course, was NXT. Normally, one of the things that you'll hear me say that I like about NXT is kind of what AEW did this week, where they just come out and it's straight into a match and we get some wrestling. Uh, half That's about half and half. half. The other half of the time, we get somebody coming out like an Adam Cole, like a Gargano, like a Ray Ripley, like a Shayna, cutting a promo on something like that. And it wasn't either of those things this week. It was the limitless one himself, mm. Keith Lee, coming out and cutting what I thought was one of the better promos of the week if Cody hadn't done what he did. Um, I was going to say. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was it was short. It was sweet. It was in the very vein and style of Keith Lee and just and, and then ends up getting attacked. And I thought it was a very I thought it was a solid promo. It, I, was. it didn't have to it didn't, didn't have to do much. He didn't have to do much with it. It was just, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm <laughs> I'm Keith Lee and I'm going to kick someone on the Undisputed Era's ass. and it's going to be Roderick Strong. I'm going to win his title. All right. Yep. Boom. Fine. But of course, that called out the Jackals. And out came Undisputed Era to beat down Keith Lee. And as they put a chair on his foot and pilmanized him, uh, Tommaso Ciampa came out for the save and chased off all the jackals and uh, supported a good old Keith Lee. And, all right, buddy, I got you. But this was – okay, so a few things here. Um, Because this continued throughout the show. Like, it was a running theme that Undisputed Era were like jackals attacking everyone that they've got on their hit list. You can even say it's going back to uh, Imperium at TakeOver Blackpool 2. They did the same thing. It was just the jackals at the end of the show came out and attacked, you know? Yeah, right. And that seems to be their their MO right now. Mm -hmm. And it's a good MO for this team. They also did to Ciampa. Ciampa came out later and and cut a promo about how Adam Cole took his his title and therefore his life, and he wants his life back. Uh, They tried to attack. Johnny Gargano. Oh no, no. The, let's see. Gargano came out to save Champa right. during that one, um, and then later on, Champa and Gargano are in the back parking lot talking about the fact that Mustache Mountain had challenged them at Worlds Collide, and they were saying, "What do you say? Should we get DIY back together one more time for old times' sake?" Which, of course, you know, DIY versus Mustache Mountain. Uh, I had mountains of goosebumps thinking about that match. And hey, first, the, you had you my curiosity. Now you have my attention. You do have more than my attention. My nipples are erect yes. uh, at that. At the thought of that, <laughs> so they're talking about that. And me, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> while they're talking about that, pan, pan to the right, and the security guards are holding back undisputed air from trying to attack him. And then, out of nowhere, Keith Lee, who apparently, even though he was pilmanized earlier, has regained use of his foot, came in, pounced a guard through the hedge, and, and went halfway through after him came back out, and like freaking Godzilla raging through Tokyo, was throwing... Go- Undisputed Air was like, screw this. They took off. The guard's trying to hold Keith Lee back from getting to Undisputed Air. He tossed one through the front window of a car. He tossed another one in the back of a truck uh, and then just started screaming at the camera. <gasps> Dear God, Nick. Angry Keith Lee. We haven't seen this yet in NXT. What did you think about... Angry Keith Lee. Well, I'm not going to do it again, but uh, s- several folks thoroughly enjoyed my Godzilla scream uh, roar the other day or last week. It was but, really good. Um, here's what I'll say about this whole thing. Um, I'm worried that they're going to do the Keith Lee pounce thing. Uh, let me rephrase that. 
I was a little trepidatious in the beginning that they were going to overdo the pounce. <laughs> I'm loving every second of it. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, man, come the on. Adam Cole like went into the audience up, and rising up behind the ring, like it's still. I'm not. I'm pouncing not pouncing a guy through the bushes, and he just disappears <laughs> into the into the hedge. <laughs> just like he went through some portal or something. Just, he's gone. <laughs> Love it. Oh. You can't not mark out at that. And it was it's I, fantastic. Yeah. And it, w- granted, we are huge Keith Lee marks. Absolutely we are. Huge fans of his. But at the same time, I want to be realistic and objective about like how, what they're u- are they overusing those kinds of spots? I don't think so. Sure. I think it's just I, 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 right. I think it's every now and then, you know, it's been um 6 weeks since we saw the Adam Cole leading up to Survivor Series. Yeah. Time for another one. Time, time for, for another, another one. Another, another big pounce. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, no, it's like AC Romero. That's kind of that was kind of his gimmick on the Indies was pouncing dudes out of the ring yep. into oblivion, and it worked for him. And you know, it became his kind of thing when he, when he was doing the battle royale at the beginning of uh, one of those AW pay per views. I forget if it was uh, Fight for the Fallen, which one it was, but he AC Romero pounced some guy out of the ring. Uh, it was kind of you know, it's kind of his spot. Yeah, but the fact that they're making that uh, a bit of Keith Lee's uh, thing too, I'm not mad at it at all. Especially as you said, they're using it. Inappropriate measure. I'm very excited. excited. Here, as you said, we're both Keith Lee marks. We don't have to be convinced that Keith's great, but everyone else who's watching the show is just finding out like all the things that Keith can do. Um, I think it's good for them to see the different aspects. And everyone likes like the big friendly guy who's kind of he's confident. He's like, yeah, I got this. And look, look how awesome I am. Loving it when he turns and all that power is used for destruction is pretty cool. It's like Braun Strowman, right? Like, people love to see Braun Strowman destroy stuff. Flipping well, big trucks over and stuff, right? Strength spots. Yeah. Keith doing the same kind of thing, throwing dudes into cars and whatnot. Like, mm, wait, you're you're a big, well-spoken, uh, strong guy who can do insane cruiserweight-style moves in the ring, and you can go be Braun Strowman outside the ring? Yes, please. So, fantastic. The first match of the show, Nick, however, was... For anyone, and this was actually was one of the comebacks to Baron Corbin when he was crapping on AEW's opening match. They were like, "Did you see the first match on NXT? Because it was basically Spot Fest too. It was the Broserweights, which of course is Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne versus Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews, former NXT UK Tag Champs, in the Dusty Rhodes Classic Tag Team Tournament. My God, Nick. Here's what I want to I want to remind us about. This is me and you talking right here is we were kind of down on this bracket when it was first announced. We were like, where's all the tag teams? Uh, they're putting these guys together randomly, and they're you know, kind of pillaging the NXT UK tag Whoa. division to bring things over. We were questioning it. We were op- skeptically optimistic, but we were a little, oh, eh. hey. To be clear, I was saying it'll still be great matches. All these guys are talented. I was just I was more complaining about the lack of tag teams that they had existing. I was, I was complaining clear. about both. Uh, you know, oh, okay. Just, <laughs> I would like to uh, formally retract that statement. Uh, this is over delivering AF, Ooh. and it might be one of the better Dusty Classics we've had yet. Uh, yeah, look at the way this is stacking up. Uh, it's Good. every single match so far has been freaking incredible. And, and it even, didn't it, stop there. No. We also had Grizzled Young Vets versus the Time Splitters, the reunited Alex Shelley and Kushida. And Nick, I was I was floored. Grizzled Young Vets beat Time Splitters stone cold clean. Completely clean. Kushida was going for a shooting star press. They pushed him off the top turnbuckle 
and uh, and put down Alex Shelley, and they won. And afterwards, uh, I, I, ah, I'm I'm still so mad about this that I haven't even had a chance to, uh, to to process this fully because I'm, and this is what they're supposed to do. The Grizzly Young Vets get they're great heat magnets, um, but they cut a promo afterwards where they basically said, "Yeah, all of you." you know, hipster marks of the NXT crowd who thought you who wanted to pretend like you knew who Alex Shelley was. Like, screw you guys. We're, we're the best. We're going to go on and win this thing. We're happy to, to ruin this reunion of the time splitters. Please and keep got, giving Zach Gibson a microphone. God damn it. That Please so, I, keep I, giving Zach I, Gibson a microphone. Both my shoes went flying at the TV. <laughs> yes. I, that son of a bitch. <gasps> like, it, he got me good on that. because Please I Please give that man was. a proper singles run again. I know he got one at the early, beginning of NXT UK for the first championship that Dunn ultimately won but man that dude is so good oh and I'm gonna say this you've traditionally kind of been down on Mark Andrews I want to give a hat tip to that dude he came in and ran rough shot for a good solid five minutes hitting all kinds of crazy spots in the in the previous match those two dudes showed out and if you were sleeping on Andrews and Webster (laughs) for the last few years you got a show against the broserweights I, I've had crap. I've had Morgan Webster almost come off the top rope on me in the crowd before, so I you know I <laughs> he, he got my vote a while back. Mark Andrews I've only been down on because I hate his pop punk music so much. Yeah, but I told you when they won the tag team titles in Wales, uh, the UK tag team titles, and everyone in the crowd was doing the stupid song. I have to admit I was kind of like I was bopping along with it. Now I I've always said Mark Andrews is a great talent. I just can't stand the gimmick. And you just his, don't and listen music. to some forty one. I hate his know? music. <laughs> I hate his music. Yeah. But at the same time, like I, you know, mad respect to the man himself. Uh, and both of these matches were just lights out. And the, here's the crazy thing. Okay, because I want to talk about another match that was also lights out on this show. But first of all, we got to talk about the rest of the Dusty Rhodes Classic here. The Broser weights, uh, grizzled young vets. Undisputed Era and Imperium are all that's left. Okay. But after the Undisputed Era ran in on Imperium on UK, on, on uh, NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2, uh, is it kind of fait accompli that we're getting Imperium and Undisputed Era in the finals? Um, I'm, 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 I'm playing like out scenarios in my head. The gears are rolling. Imperium is on a tear right now. I don't. I think they win over the Broserweights. Um, and I said this last year about Alistair Black and Ricochet, and I was wrong. But yeah. I, but I don't think they're going to put two singles guys that have been like ad hoc thrown together as good as it is. I don't yeah. think they're going to put them over something Again. a force a faction like Imperium. And I'm looking down at the match. I'm looking at is Grizzled Young Vets, and as hot as Zach Gibson is, and Undisputed Era. How can you not put Undisputed Era up there? I, I, I want Nick, Grizzled Nick, Young Vets Imperium is what I want. Do you want That's to know why not I'm, what it's going to be though? You just actually you actually just hit on a sore spot. Was that another reason I was pissed? Grizzled Young Vets won was because I wanted to see my Time Splitters versus Red Dragon rematch in oh. NXT. Oh, man. Because Time Splitters are the ones that took the titles from Red Dragon back in New Japan. Right. So that was going to be like another, oh, it's going to happen in NXT. (laughs) You know, I was was actually, I was like psyched up for that. And then they threw it, Zach Gibson. (sighs) Anyway, so yeah, it's, 
I, I'm I am curious where this is going. I could see it being Imperium Undisputed Era, the two big factions going at each other for the finals. Um, I personally think Imperium should win the whole thing just because they need to have that little check mark to make themselves be legit. So we will see what happens. But Nick, we got to talk about this other lights out match on this show. Okay, the cruiserweight number one contendership match. Well, is that, sorry, no, it was a match to determine who was going to get uh, into the the cruiserweight fatal four way at Worlds Collide. That's what it was. Right. It was a fatal four way to determine who was going to be in the fatal four way. A triple no, threat to triple determine threat. the fatal four way. Yeah. They're killing me with this, man. Right. Swerve Scott versus Leo Rush versus Tyler Breeze. Mwah! And the winner got to be in the Worlds Collide fatal four way for. Uh, Angel Garza's Cruiserweight Championship. Mother of God, Nick. Mother of God. They, they done did it again. Those damn cruiserweights, all you had to do is get them into NXT, and they put on nothing but five-star matches. It's almost like this they should was, have their own TV show or something. Yeah, it's like that. Maybe they'll split it off and they'll have their own TV show. I mean, it'd be great if they did it live. Right. You know? And only people that are under 205 pounds, I think, would probably be the best. Right. Way to do this we could show. call it something like I don't know, two hundred five live. No, that's that's too obvious. Yeah, it's a little little on the nose. Yeah. So anyway, this yeah. So this match was was freaking insane, and I'm glad to see Tyler Breeze getting some love because Fandango looks like he's going to be out for about a year. Uh, oh, Tommy John no. and more. So so you got to build Tyler back up as a singles competitor again, um, which didn't happen here because he ate the pin. <laughs> it- Swerve Scott. Your boy, Nick, how happy are you this worst guy's going on? I am over the moon, excited, and I don't know if they're telegraphing it or not, but it feels like they might be. Um, I, th- either way, whoever wins, that Fatal 4-Way is going to be amazing. It, is, it might, be, it might be the match to watch at Worlds Collide. But, I mean, Collide. who else is going to be in it now? So, we've, uh, so it's not going to be Leo Rush, not going to be Tyler, unless Leo Rush has, like, a, a, another way in. But... Uh, I mean, what other cruiserweights do they have that could throw in that? Can I can I, I just I can I just see Angel Garza versus uh, Killshot Swerve Scott? Oh. And, right? <laughs> yes. yes, please. I would not <laughs> mind at that. Uh, we also had a uh, woman. Okay, Nick, this is this is the big match on the show. This is the big match on the show, and I. Uh, I it's going to take me a second to set this up because this was, um, I did not expect this. I didn't expect this, and I didn't expect what we got once they announced it. Yeah. Women's Battle Royale. Um, Royal Rumble style. Except that not uh, everyone everyone starts off in the ring, so not like people running in, but, you know, over-the-top Battle Royale style. Sure. Uh, and you had a ton of women that I was not expecting in this match. They had Everyone got an entrance, uh, and uh, we had people in here like, uh, Io Shirai, Tegan Knox, Bianca Belair. Uh, but then we had really surprising ones. Uh, to go, uh, like we had um, Mercedes Martinez, who just officially got signed. Boom, she's already in this. We had uh, Shotzi Blackheart show up in this match. Uh, a lot of other women that like were in the division that showed up. Uh, surprisingly, Tanara Conti wasn't in this. Mm. Oh, oh, no, she no, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. Uh, but... Uh, but here, the surprising one was the last person to enter, Shayna Baszler. Why? And my God, the chills, the chills when she comes out and just the way that she feels now compared to all the other women when she comes out and is just like, well, I got to get it back somehow. And the whole crowd was like, oh, my God, she's going to kill everyone. 
And she gets in the ring, and it's the entire women's locker room, and just Shayna just standing there like, that's right. <laughs> they like, all right, bitches, let's go. <laughs> what, was that, what was that line from Watchmen? Rorschach is like, you, free, you misunderstand. I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. Right. And that's how it felt when Shayna got into the ring with everybody else. And then it went off. And this was, frankly, Nick, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was nearly a perfectly booked, perfectly scripted, Battle Royale style match. It was. Uh, the only hang-up I have about it, and we can talk about the match in a second, was they they spoiled some things. Um, they they showed the Tegan Knox thing walking outside earlier with Candice LeRae running up and hugging her. Um, if you looked at the banner at the card, you saw, I think it was Martinez that was on, or Tegan Knox, no, it was Martinez, I believe, that was on the, the thing, so it wasn't that big of a surprise if you were paying attention. The Shayna one was absolutely huge, but I'm sitting here going, well, Shayna just dropped it. Are we already going to put it back on her or put her back in contention instead of... So going into the match, I was kind of like... <sighs> when Shayna came out, I just went, ugh. See, I was like, okay, so who's going to take out Shayna? That's literally the first thing I thought. When and that happened in a Shana? way that I did not expect. Nobody expected who took out Shayna. Uh, out of nowhere, like what, her second or third week on NXT TV, Shotzi Blackheart. Who in the middle looked of like Shana she Burke had been people. eliminated, but hadn't she hadn't gone over the top rope, I guess. Right. Runs back in, flips Shayna over as yeah. she's uh, Shayna's got, I think it was, um, so I can't remember who it was, had in the uh, Care for you to Clutch, flips her over the ropes, and was like, oh, God! Yeah. And, and I, shot, at that point, I went like, okay, yes, okay, you have me too now. Much and <laughs> Bianca Belair flipped her out, too. Uh, I was also say Casey Kenzaro. We'd heard she retired, we heard she was done. She came back in this, so I, I, I thought she was done. Scary neck injury and all kinds of good stuff. I thought she was done. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone did. Maybe even she did too. But they kept that very close to the vest about her status. So, wow, very shocking. But very, I'm dude. I'm so happy that she's still there because I think she's got tons of potential. Uh, Tegan Knox got to run wild at one point. She was taking out everybody until Dakota Kai came in, pulled her off the top rope. And threw a knee brace in her face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so here's some here's some some storyline that came out of this. It looks like we've got some more storyline going with Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Good. Cool. Shayna Baszler's now got some beef with Shotzi Blackheart. Cool. Yes. Uh, she's also not the number one contender. Cool. Cool. Mercedes Martinez also, if you recall, they had they faced off. It was student versus teacher in the first May Young Classic with Mercedes Martinez and Shayna Baszler. And they had another face-off moment in the middle of this match that was like, ooh, goosies. So they might have some beef going forward because now Mercedes is NXT. So, mm, just so, and they, they built storylines. Everyone got their shit in. Um, the people who were, you know, basically just fodder were treated like fodder, but not to the point where they looked horrible. Right. You know what I mean? Even yep. like uh, Deanna Parazzo, even she, she went out kind of ignominiously, but still seemed like she could have been legit. It was no one got buried here. It was just it was fantastic from top to bottom. The we ended up so, with uh, Io Shirai. I can't remember the exact final four: Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, um, Shotzi. Well, it was no Shirai. It was it was Belair, Shirai, Baszler, uh, and Knox, and then Shotzi was hidden under the ring. Right. That's right. Uh, Shayna was Kirifuda clutching Shirai when Shotzi took her out. Bianca took out Shayna, and then we're down to uh, Io Shirai and Bianca Belair, and it just became a singles match. Straight Beautiful. up singles match. 
and it was strength versus air, and it ended up Bianca Belair. I, I, when you say that they threw someone out of the ring, this is throwing someone out of the ring. Uh, she KOD'd Shirai out of the ring and nearly into the stands. Like, Shirai just went flying. Kind of like how so, Eddie Edwards razor's edged uh, Trent Seven at the Blackpool. <laughs> oh! Oh! The ref stopped him from doing the ring. He's like, all right, I'll just throw him out of the ring then. <laughs> yep. Fine. Yeah. Bye. This reminded me of that. Yep. So Bianca Belair is your number one contender for the Women's Championship uh, at Worlds Collide. Or sorry, Portland. Take over Portland. She's having a match uh, with Rhea Ripley. What do you think about her as, as the number one? Because the first, the first match for Rhea Ripley as champion, Bianca Belair. Is that is that too much? Is Bianca getting that first try at the title too much? And she's like the first person to not be. She's to like not she's win at it, this yes. point. Yeah, at yeah. this point, it's like her thing is. I'm going to be the first person to get a shot at the title, and then I'm going to lose, and then go back down the card again. Right, and then like, it'll be becoming her, her will probably change. be the next one, and she won't win it either. And then we'll have somebody. It will probably, uh, frankly, I think it's going to be. Uh, I mean, what other heels do we have? Do we? Have, I mean, a, a Shotzi, a Dakota. Does it have to be a heel? Because uh, Candice LeRae was also in this match, and she went out pretty early, but she was also at this point got to be considered a contender. Candice LeRae is uh, not beating Rhea Ripley. No, but a contender. I think it's my, it might go Bianca, Candice, and then Io. Io is so over right now. I mean, you could you could see how much the crowd loves her. Easily the they crowd won- favorite to go to be it. And I, frankly, that's who I thought it was going to be at the end of this. Well, and the problem is, is that if you make Io champ, we just had before Shayna, uh, you had nearly nearly back to back Kyrie Sane and Oscar. And I think that that Io is still too similar in a lot of ways to both of them. It's like you you know. Rhea is almost too much like Shayna in the sense she's a really strong face, whereas Shayna was a really strong heel. Yeah. Um, and we haven't really seen uh, a different style of champ in a while, which on one hand is fine uh, in the sense that it's a really cool style of champ, which is the strong champ. Um, but on the other hand, it would be interesting to see something to, sh- to shift it a little bit. No, I think Rhea I, Ripley is here for the long run, and it frankly doesn't matter yeah. who they put up against her. It's about who you want to protect. So I think they want to protect Io Shirai. I think Bianca Belair will always be Bianca Belair, regardless of win-loss. And I, I feel like that's why she's getting this opportunity here. So Whereas I think Bianca Belair would be a fantastic champ. It's just there's so many other re- like people that could or, you know, will be champ. Um, So it's it's a very curious situation. The only thing I could see is Vince saw Rhea over the Survivor Series weekend and and went, I want her. And she she just goes flying through NXT, right? Basically, as a PWG, where like the last thing you do is win the title for like a month and then you go off to to NXT or WWE. Right. Like everybody did that. Um, Wins the title for like Ricochet, wins it, loses it, goes to NXT. Keith Lee, wins it, loses it, goes to NXT. Walter, wins it, loses it, goes to NXT. So it's Sammy, Kevin, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> right, Champa. So, uh, so we'll see uh, if that happens again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very interesting women's division right now in NXT night and day. If you could have picked a worse week for for AEW to have their worst ever women's match, it was when NXT just had a lights out baller match like this, showcasing the fact that they not only do they have fifteen. Absolutely incredible women's wrestlers. They didn't even have everyone in this. Yep. We had Chelsea Green out back uh, getting a promo cut with her new manager uh, saying, yeah, she's not going to take part of this. We're waiting for the right time. 
Chelsea Green is another one who could face off against Rhea Ripley before Io Shirai. You know, like there's there's women they didn't even have in this match that are legit. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have their champ here. And, you know, oh, my God, NXT is just blowing AEW out of the water with the women. So what's the landscape looking like right now for – we got Worlds Collide. I believe it's January 25th um, yep. coming up uh, before, right before the Royal Rumble. So what have so we the world, got Yeah, the Worlds, Worlds Collide, Collide car. Worlds Collide right now. We know we have uh, Undisputed Era versus all of Imperium. So that could have been what that was building up for, and that's not the end of the Dusty Rhodes Classic. But it's Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong versus Valter, Marcel Barthel. Uh, Fabian Eichner, Alexander Wolf, uh, at Worlds Collide. Mm. So that's gonna be, that's gonna be nuts. Mm. That's gonna be nuts. Can we just say it's gonna be nuts? It's, it's gonna, gonna, be, gonna nuts. be nuts. Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm uh, for the NXT Women's Championship. DIY versus Mustache Mountain. <sighs> Finn Balor versus Ilya Dragunov. <laughs> uh, dude, what Worlds Collide is just that's a world class card this year. Uh, last year was kind of it was kind of cool. This year, it's absolutely insane. Uh, and finally, uh, Angel Garza defends against Swerve Scott and the winner of the NXT UK qualifiers, which is Jordan Devlin versus Ligero and uh, Travis Banks versus Brian Kendrick. Mm. So one of those, two of those four will also be in that fatal four-way. So it's going to be uh, Angel Garza, Swerve Scott, and Jordan Devlin, Ligero, Travis Banks, or Brian Kendrick. Um, and really, I think it's going to be, I, I'm, I'm 95% sure it's Devlin. Yeah. But Banks or Kendrick? Who do you Banks. think? You think Banks? Kiwi Buzzsaw. He, he was kind of the original, uh, he, he kicked off the World's Collide season, didn't he? With that match. But I yep. wonder if that was his moment. Uh, and then, you know, going forward, it's going to be Kendrick. Because Kendrick is the veteran. And I would, yeah, I would like to see one uh, veteran. I'm just, I'm that. seeing some Although up and comers here. It's, it's all, it's all, it's Killshot, Garza, Devlin. I mean, yeah, it's going to be Banks. It's all right. We'll see. Well, I, I'm happy either way. It's yeah. going to be, it's going to be baller. Exactly. So yeah, and then Takeover Portland's looking pretty good as well. So yeah. Nick, lots of good stuff happening in NXT. Lots of good stuff happening in AEW. But that's not all, because there was more wrestling. On TV this week. In fact, that was last night, and that was Friday Night SmackDown. If I may have a quick moment before we go into this. By all uh, means. The last couple of, last few years, I should say, of WWE programming, meaning Raw and SmackDown, main roster, whatever, has been... A little eh. It's been a bit of a rough ride. We've have some. We've had some high points. We've had some low lows, and it's we've seen the numbers start to kind of dwindle down over the course of the last few years. I have to say, um, I was skeptically optimistic coming out of the summer, and I am having. I am. In, you guys know. I shared here on the show that I was having those feelings again just a few months ago of. I don't know if I... I've got other things I'd rather be doing than watching oh. Raw and SmackDown. If you guys remember, I shared that uh, last fall. I have to say, even uh -oh. in the shadow of Lana and Lashley, I'm having some of the most fun with the things that are going on on Raw and SmackDown maybe in a, in a really long time. I'm, I'm really enjoying... They got you I, back I in. I really enjoyed Raw and SmackDown. I'm back in. Wow. So All right. Even, this is how, even, this is how with they the, do it. Even with the Lana and Lashley stuff. And right. yes, 
a lot of it has to do with the first four months of the year are always the best. Right. It has a lot to do with coming out of the holidays. You shift into fifth gear, and it's Royal Rumble and the road to WrestleMania. And before you know it, it's going to be April 5th, and we're going to be, ah! We're going to be down in Tampa, and everybody's going to be losing their mind. And the cycle restarts again. And so, yes, it's <laughs> January 2020. We've got all kinds of good stuff happening so remember, in WWE. Next year, the end of October, beginning of November, doldrums, Nick's going to be suicidal again on yeah. WWE. I can't stand it. I'm yeah. not watching it anymore. Cut my uh, eyes out with a spoon. <laughs> Why a spoon, cousin? Why not an axe or a sword? Uh, so here's my question, though, Nick, because I personally, this week, I thought Raw was great. Yes. Even the Lana Lashley stuff, is it's so trashy and so over the top that, like, I just, uh, but I'm also, I'm almost enjoying how much I hate it at this point. It still should be off my TV. I still don't want it there. But so it, it's, it's made it's the turn so for you. Bad. It's, it's become no, true, it's, enjoyable it's, trash I, TV for you. It's not enjoyable. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> okay. But it, it is to the point where it's car crashy, yeah. right? Where I'm, I'm always you curious not what look. new hell uh, the only problem this week was that it was a match, and the match I just didn't care about. I, I didn't care what happened in the match. Like all the other storyline stuff, like, all right, fine, it's trashy. Um, well, like, no, but every week I'm kind of like, what fresh hell will they unleash on me this week with Lana and Lashley? But on Raw, it's surrounded by so much other stuff that I'm genuinely being entertained by and I'm invested in. Um, that's my point. And, and that's surprising that I don't mind it because it is just one segment. I can survive. One segment. Yeah. Nick, SmackDown is the opposite. There was maybe one or two segments that I enjoyed, and the rest I wanted to die. Oh, no. I, SmackDown was killing me this week. Uh, and last oh, week. Oh, we're going to talk about that really then. Bad. We do. We do need to. And I, and I, actually, it's funny. Um, let's do it now. Let's, we'll talk about the show yep. in a second. Let's, let's talk about this now, because I think that there has become a fundamental philosophical difference with how they are producing the two shows. And I, I put my finger on it. Uh, this week, last night specifically, is that Raw feels like it's going organically from one segment to the next. It is a wrestling show where matches are supposed to happen, but all the storyline is kind of happening organically and weaving through it. SmackDown is being led entirely by Michael Cole, who is telling you what is happening now, what is happening next, what happened before, and there, it's just very blunk, and here's another chunk, blunk, and Michael Cole is, is leading us into everything. Stitching well, coming it up together. next, every, he's the one who's stitching it together. And I'm sorry, when you have you know, golf announcer Michael Cole stitching a whole show together for you, right off the bat, it's going to feel very stilted and very unemotional and very you know, formulaic because that's Michael Cole's style. I hate to say it. I think the guy is genuinely talented, but at the same time, he's become a symptom of everything that's wrong with WWE presentation for great way to put it. Uh, He's and, almost and, a, uh, a caricature or a metaphor for the things that are going wrong in uh, WWE. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's bad when it's gotten to the point that if you have anything that's even halfway cool, you have Michael Cole say it once and it's instantly uncool. It's, I don't, I don't know. It's a talent that he has where oh. he just says it so flatly and unenthusiastically. It's a forced enthusiasm that he has in his voice. Um, so it doesn't so feel real. So pause right there for one second. If you put that up against the commentary going on Raw that we're typically is, down on with Vic Joseph yeah. and Jerry the King Lawler, and it's like, and it's cringy and it's awful, but you're, the storylines are being woven by writers and producers. I mean, is that a is, is that comparable between the two? 
But that's what's interesting is that they, perhaps because of the weakness of the commentary team on Monday nights, that they have decided to take it out of commentary's hands and had commentary literally be commentary where there's, uh, it seems like there's bigger forces that's driving the show and commentary's just talking about it when it happens, as opposed to Fridays where you feel like the commentary, they know everything that's happening and they're telling you every little bit. Even down to like Michael Cole telling you, well, He's getting up on the ring right now. He's he, oh, he's just been thrown off the ring. We just saw that, Cole. We don't we don't need you to tell us exactly every little detail of what's happening. Uh, like to to it's like it's like I'm not blind, dude. Yeah. Um, if you so want to call that moves, a, that's one thing. If you want to call play by play, that's one thing. But just sheer movements, climbing the walking. ropes. Ah, oh, he came off the top ropes. Well, we know. We know. Uh, he. <laughs> He threw so, him over his really head. Good it's, point. Called, it's called a suplex, Cole. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- there's stuff like that. And the problem is also, Corey Graves, without um, someone else on color to play off of, it's, it's not helping his commentary any. No. Uh, uh, he's I, become I, I very dry Saxton as well. I Saxton more than I ever have. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Like, Corey has become very dry as well. So I don't want to blame all of SmackDown's problems on commentary because it's, it's not just their fault. It's a big part I of was it, just, But I was noticing its overall production philosophy. Um, how they're setting up the show, how they are driving the story forward. It's not being driven forward by actions. It's being driven forward by the commentary, by talking, by saying, this is what's happening now. This is what's happening next. We're going to see this. Um, they seem to know it before the producers backstage could even know it. It's, and, that's, and it makes for a very stilted and very dry-feeling show. Uh, and even when there are you know, moments backstage that, that are quote-unquote off the cuff, they're packaged so much into little segments, whereas Monday, everything seems to flow together. Um, yeah, so SmackDown, just, it just feels much more robotic and one thing after another, and now we will have this segment. Yep. Now is the time on Sprockets when we dance. Oh! Oh! Thank you for being old enough to remember that. Do you want to touch so my let's monkey? Talk, uh, you may not touch the monkey! <sighs> Let's talk about the show itself. Coming yes. from Greensboro, North Carolina, up the street Woo-woo. from you, man. Up the street uh, yeah, Mr. Divi and Jonathan Sprague went to uh, went to the show, gave us some good pictures yes. of the group. Great seats, by the way, John. Great that was seats. fantastic. Um, get, but yeah, about, he had, he had a nice, 90 minutes for me. He had a BWO sign. He had a BWO sign in the crowd. I kept looking for it. I could not I, find I, it. I, I went I back look- and looked through uh, the, the Hulu taping, and even in my DVR, I went back through. I couldn't. No good camera shots of you, brother. If, you, if anybody captures one, uh, please shoot that over to us in the group or DM it to us. We'd love to see it. Oh, he, uh, Jonathan Sprague is in the uh, chat right now. He says they uh, they did they cheered Cole and booed Graves when they came out. Oh, so not a not a smart crowd then. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might be. They could you know Smarks will boo Graves too. Although man, is Graves pandering to the Smarks on his podcast or what? He it keeps throwing feels, out like it feels just like it's uh, WWE just stirring the pot. That's what well, that they, show they know feels the like. criticisms of their show. They're letting him make those criticisms, and everyone's going, "I can't believe they're allowing Graves to say that." And then you know he knows that that's going to stir up the the pot and get people, and they're going to listen to his show. Like that that's what it seems like to me. Yeah. But what do I know? It's not like I host a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roman Reigns and Robert Roode had a table match. And the winner of this table match was going to determine the stipulation for Roman Reigns versus Corbin at the Royal Rumble. Uh, so hmm. I went into this with very low expectations, and I came out going, that. that was actually 
pretty good match. This is the thing, man. Is and they do this every week where we go, oh god, Reigns, Corbin again, and they're going. Bobby Roode's going to be there, and Dolph Ziggler's. Usos will be involved. So, oh my god, I'm so bored by this. And all of that and happened. They, and then they go out and have a match, and the match is exciting, and the crowd gets hype. They like say what you will, but right now Roman Reigns and Corbin and everyone else involved in this are going out and putting on lights out WWE style matches. The kinds of matches that the live crowds go absolutely apeshit for because it plays into what you want to see out of these matches. There's yep. action, there's big hits, um, all of they hit all the right moves. It's timed perfectly. The emotions there, the storytelling's there. They're doing everything that a WWE match should do. Um, the problem is, if you don't like WWE style matches, you're going to be sitting there going, "Oh my god, I've seen this a million times before." Oh jeez. But if you're in a live crowd every week, it's been working for the for the live crowd. Yeah, and and if you're and if that's what and if like you said, Nick, if you're just there to be entertained, I mean, this match is going to entertain you. You're going to have Roman running around outside and throwing spears. Although he did miss Bobby Roode with a big spear and went through the uh, the timetable. Yeah, time the table, Usos uh, come out there. predictably. So yeah, uh, and and just give that double frog splash onto the announce table to Dolph Ziggler. Brilliant Woo! live crowd Great probably spot. popped huge for that. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 about entertain the live crowd first, TV second. But at the same time, you still have to understand there's ten to 15,000 people in any given arena. There's millions of people watching on TV. So you do have to consider both. I so. actually, you know, Jonathan's in the chat right now. Please uh, pitch in, brother. Like, let us know, like, what was the biggest pop of the night? Like, who did they love? Who did they hate? What, what were you guys quiet for? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's saying right now that they really got into it. They were really into that match. And that's. That's what Roman Reigns gets paid the big bucks for. Yeah. Is that he and, and Corbin too. Like, say what you will about Corbin, but he's he's WWE trained. Like he's trained to be in these kinds of matches and have this kind of reaction. So uh that being said, Rude was speared through a table and lost the match. And Roman Reigns ended up saying the match at Ro a Royal Rumble will be a falls count anywhere match in a baseball stadium. So that's interesting. I originally, I'm not going to lie, Nick, I was on pins and needles because I was <laughs> sure that Robert Roode was going to win this through nefarious means and they were going to have a loser eats dog food match at the Rumble because it has been advertised right? Uh, at, other, at other events. So I was worried they were finally going to do that. And we're like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, thank God. It's a false count anywhere match. Okay. <sighs> the spear... Looked like, uh, and I don't want to. I don't know who to give credit to. Maybe both of the guys, but it looked. Like, it was fantastic. Uh, it looked like one of those old timey shots where the guy was getting shot with a cannon into the gut. Uh, but Rude, there's some still shots of Rude just selling the shit out of it with it letting his arms and legs go uh, out in front of him. It was one of the better spears I think I've ever seen Roman give. It landed perfectly through the table. Uh, it looked great. It looked fantastic. Crowd popped hard for it. Um, and then the promo that Roman gave after the match where he named the stipulation being a last man stand or a false count anywhere, I should yeah. say. Um, it was fantastic, and we closed out the show with it. Brilliant. Brilliant way to go out. Um, I, I actually I thought I enjoyed this tenfold more than I expected to. It delivered in ways that I didn't expect it to. Um, and the things that I predicted to happen would happen, and they did so in a better way than... I would have expected them to like all of sure. this was like all of the smarky kind of eh, this sucks eh, that we all talk shit about. 
actually turned out to be one of the highlights of the show for me. And I went out feeling really good and excited about the match at Royal Rumble next weekend. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, me too. I'm actually, I think that that stipulation will work really well in that environment with these two, um, especially all the chaos you can have as well with it. So that actually has made me more excited for this match itself. Plus, I think it's a, a way that they could also protect Roman in the Rumble um, is have him just get the crap kicked out of him in a false count anywhere match, and then he's got to go and do the Rumble, and he's just a mess. Yeah. So they're protecting themselves there as well. So And you, you got the crowd hype for the dark stuff. You had a 205 Live match. You had a Fiend versus Daniel Bryan dark match afterwards under the red light, and I was watching some of the footage on Twitter of that, and the entire crowd was still around and cheering and all yes chanting and all kinds of good stuff there. So... Yeah, this was a I, I, Jonathan. I'm glad you got to go. I was going to try and make this show. It just didn't work out. Unfortunately, I had yeah, to you had, a, you had a week. I, I had enough had of a week, week already that <laughs> I already went back and forth across the country in three days. So. Well, you mentioned yes chance, Nick, and that was that brings me to what opened the whole show, yeah. and that was the big red machine, Kane, opening the show. What? Kane comes out, open the show. Uh, all right, we uh, just got done watching the Broken Skull session with Glenn Jacobs, Kane. Uh, with Stone was, Cold Steve Austin, and I, I, yeah. he's in a sport coat, and you're thinking, wow, he's okay, he's done. He's really moved on to just be mayor. Nope. Out comes Kane. He's staying in shape. He came He came out uh, top of the show. I was shocked. I was like, what is Kane doing here? He didn't get his ring pyro, which bummed me out. Yeah. He got a little bit of pyro at the top of the ramp. So Literally, right. He got big pyro at the top of the ramp. And that's and I was expecting the, the ring pyro uh, to do the It's not the hands. ring post pyro. Yeah. You know me. I, I, yeah. I want what I want. Me, my wrestling. Me, 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 me. I want what I want. Uh, so Kane comes out of the ring, and we were all sitting there going, what the hell is Kane doing here? And he starts cutting a promo on the Royal Rumble and how it's, oh, it's a, a match that'll change your career. It's entering hell. And as the guy who's got the most career eliminations i'm looking forward to destroying i thought this was just a promo for the royal rumble and i was like oh god all right fine it's a promo for the royal rumble yawn uh but then bray wyatt pops up on the screen and uh, first thing i thought was didn't he already take out kane don't they already have beef and sure enough he cuts a promo where he says kane what you doing in the ring saying you're gonna hurt people that's just mean you're a bully wait a minute don't i have you on my wall You've met him before, haven't you? You shouldn't be a bully. And the lights start going out. And sure enough, it's, uh, oh, oh, the fiend's going to come get Kane. And all right, set up on my seat a little bit. And I was like, all right, so he's going to come get Kane again. Running through my head like, oh, well, why would they do that? Why would they have the fiend take out Kane again? It's like they already did that. Sure enough, lights come back on. It's the red lights. Kane's looking like he's halfway up the ramp, like a little bit towards the ramp from the ring. And the fiend comes out of the, of the, the ring itself, of the floor of the ring. The gates of hell. The gates of hell. Yeah, the gates of hell. They didn't it's say hell that, remarkably. Thankfully. The gates of hell are remarkably square. Have you noticed <laughs> that? They're like really nicely constructed. Just interesting. But anyway, the fiend comes out of the floor of the ring and starts crawling towards Kane. Everyone in the audience is like, oh, God, Kane, look behind you. He's right behind you. Ah! And Kane does. He turns and he looks right in the fiend's face. The fiend is looking through the ring ropes and slavering ah, over. And, ah, I'm going to kill you, Kane. <laughs> And then, by God, something I did not see coming happen, Nick. What took you out so the, long? Out of the other side of yeah, Kane goes, "Oh, you're here." What took you so long? <laughs> out of the other side of the ring, this little little guy comes flying out, knees fiend in the head. It's Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan and Kane set a trap for the fiend, and Daniel Bryan beats the crap out of the fiend until he chases him back into his little hidey hole in the ring, reaches in after him as the smoke pours out of this hole. 
because it's coming from hell, of course. Right, it's the gates of hell. Reaches the hole, and he pulls out some abrased dreads as he, as, he, as he leaves. He's got the dreads in his hand, and the lights come back up, and he's still got the dreads. He's like, yeah, I got that fiend, mother. Interesting. All right, so Kane, Team Hell No reunites to put a swerve on the fiend. Um, nice. Yeah. After the Ramblin' Rabbit stuff last week, this was uh, a very welcome switcheroo. And did you a hat tip? Speaking of Ramblin' Rabbit, hat tip to Bray for doing the uh, IV with carrot juice on Ramblin' <laughs> Rabbit during the Funhouse segment. That was fantastic. Uh, I was all over this. I I, I was oh. I was equally confused at the Kane entrance coming out, uh, but not mad at any of it. Josh Jonathan Sprague is in the chat. He mentioned whose glasses were though? <laughs> he pulls up the dreads, and there was like a random pair of glasses. Right. And the camera zoomed in on him. That might be the banner. I might, oh, just as a gag, I might make the that the banner. The random glasses. Thing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it was like some. <laughs> With one of the some, eyeglasses broken, you know. Some like, tech under the that? ring and Daniel Bryan was beating him up. Or Bray, like, like, apparently the fiend needs a pair of glasses to yeah. see where the entrance to or hell little is. little reading Who knows? spectacles. <laughs> the hell was that? <laughs> Maybe there was something. I mean, the fact they didn't, like, draw attention to it, you know, makes me think it was a goof. But, right. yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, all right, so. Two things here. We're making the fiend a little more fallible, or at least that he can be tricked, right? Well, They're we're learning look... we're learning his vulnerabilities. Sure. Yeah. Right. He's not he's he's kind of an animal. Uh, and Daniel Bryan is saying, well, he every time he gets in trouble, he runs away. So what I'm gonna do is at Royal Rumble, I'm gonna make it a strap match, meaning I'm tying my ass to the fiend and he's not gonna be able to escape. Right. Of course, it wasn't exactly like the fiend was trying to escape the cell in hell in a cell. But whatever, Daniel, whatever you do, you, um, I, I like the logic behind this. Okay. They've built the logic for a strap match. I think pretty well here where the fiend is now running from Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan saying, you know what? I feel like I have an edge on this guy. He tried to change me and all he did was make me, uh, he brought out my inner powers or whatever. He made me a good guy again or whatever it is, but I'm not gonna let him run from me anymore. The only way to keep him around, uh, you know, is to tie him to me. So on one hand, we're worried for Daniel going into this because we know the Fiend is an absolute monster. What are you doing tying yourself to a bear? And on the other hand, it's kind of like, ooh, Daniel might have his number. And that actually makes us question, could Daniel Bryan beat the Fiend? So all around, I thought that was, that was well done. Um, traditionally, as we've seen so far, anytime the Fiend gets his hands on you, you're in trouble. <laughs> um, so I, I'm not sure this is the best idea. I'm not sure this is the way that they should portray this. Um, at some point, yes, the fiend does have to be proven fallible, but not yet. Like I, I'm not sure this is the way I wanted this to go down because if you're going to strap Daniel Bryan to it, are we going to teach Daniel Bryan a lesson? Like you got a little ahead of yourself, and he's just going to get his ass whipped, literally and figuratively, by the fiend. Is he immediately going to get put into the man mandible claw, blood coming out, and just is it going to be a squash because Daniel got a little ahead of himself? There's a ton of different ways you can book this without yeah. making the fiend look like a punk, which I was a little bit scared of when they showed him running away from something as trivial as a knee, right? He after, got surprised. After he, he took was... the damage from Seth Rollins and Hell in a Cell with all the implements. Hate to bring that back up again. But we've seen him go through several other people spot. and take an, an ass-whipping and no-sell the shit out of it. In the dark match, he was no-selling the shit out of the yes-kicks. 
So I is this the way that we're going to – I don't want to see The Fiend go down like this. That's what I'm a little oh, bit on. hesitant about. That's all. I don't think you have to worry about that, Nick. I, th- I think they're going to keep The Fiend very strong. So, yeah, I, I just like how they're building this. At this week, I think they got back on track Yeah, is all I'm saying. Uh, also back on track, the WWE career of John Morrison, who had his return match this week against Big E. Mm. Uh, and honestly, Morrison looked fantastic. With a blonde yeah. Kofi Kingston ringside. Yeah, Morrison was blonde last week. This week, Kofi's blonde. Kofi looks like he stole all those dreads from Bray's head and taped them to his right. own. <laughs> Which is weird, weird look for him. But uh, he also, I guess the blonde did something to his vision because he did not see John Morrison coming off the top turnbuckle. Uh, at one point, Miz and Kofi getting into it outside the ring and looked like Morrison was going to go in on a splash on a Big E on the inside. Instead, he's kind of looked over at Kofi and kind of went, screw it, and just did a crazy flip off the top rope onto Kofi, uh, which looked like it actually clocked Kofi in the head pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, ultimately hit Starship Pain, which is one of the weakest-looking finishers. Like, it's really cool-looking, but it doesn't look like – it looks like a feather. It's Naomi's springboard split moonsault thing, right? Only with a twist. With a a twist, yeah, with a barrel. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's like like, uh, Naomi's – what is it? Springboard – I don't even know. Whatever. It's It's Johnny Mundo's move he's used forever. Exactly. So, it, well, he, it's John Morrison's movies used for ten years. Yeah. So, yeah, a good return match for Morrison. He looked great. Uh, and big beat Big E pretty handily. What was interesting is all the the singles talk about Big E, like a lot of graves saying Big E's going to have a great singles career. That's a little, little, little early to be talking about that. We planting those seeds. I know you want Big E to turn heel. That's Nick booking, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, so John Morrison back looking good. I'm, I'm hoping they build up him versus Kofi for the rumble so that we can have a stunt off. According but to our field reporter, that, Jonathan in the uh, chat, he was getting booed pretty heavily. He's a heel. He should be getting booed. All right. All right. Yeah, that's, he, that's, he's getting the right reaction if he's getting booed and he's also, he's hitting Kofi in the head. So that's true. You're not, you're facing off against Kofi. You're not going to get cheered. Right. So. Uh, we also had Usos versus the Revival. They beat the Revival pretty handily, including um, was it Jimmy that that got the pin? Comes off the top and does a no look. Look at right, looks right in the in the hard cam as he's doing the splash off the top rope, tongue out, Pins. all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, and uh, one, two, three. Usos beat the Revival, uh, looking strong going into Rumble, and they're already getting uh, tag team title talk. <laughs> Say that five times fast. So the interesting thing, the, the interesting that's what I was once. Oh. The, uh, the interesting thing here, Nick, the revival cut that promo backstage where they were ba- basically kind of hit all the smarks and said, "We're sick of what this company's doing with the tag team division. Uh, it's obviously they don't appreciate us. Uh, you'll see what happens next." Is that just lip service at this point? Which part? The well, obviously that was a scripted thing. It wasn't the re- that wasn't the revival speaking their actual minds. But a lot of people have been saying that about the revival for years now, including yourself, that uh, the WWE doesn't, doesn't deserve them, yeah. and they're not being treated well. Well, there's uh, scuttlebutt that they're up for contract renewal again. We had this last year, a year ago, literally, as we headed into Mania is, before they got the titles. Then you know, so are, is this is this another petty thing that Vince is doing because they're they're not renewing their contracts or? But then, no, but then why would they give them? Why would they script a promo for them backstage to say exactly that? Is what I'm saying. I, I don't know. 
why make that part of their gimmick? It's it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what their angle is on yeah. that. Whether if they're gonna cha- like change their trajectory somehow, I'm very curious because the fact that they're playing into that uh, makes me think that it's it, uh, it's a, it's they they know, if they know that's the perception, then obviously I don't think they're actually you know a- upset and WWE has plans for them. Right, basically. I, so. I don't I don't know what to think of the revival anymore. It's hard to predict. It's hard to call their matches because of the outside influences that might be affecting their wins and losses. So it, do I think that the revival might be one of the best tag teams in the world? Absolutely. Do I think that they should just be getting punked by the Usos? I don't know. The, I really like the Usos too. And right. I'm not mad at them having a, a rivalry and ultimately leading to some tag team championships here. Uh, but sure? also, the Usos have been out for six months. They needed to come back looking strong. The revival can rebound. They've proven that they're Teflon. They can have their, you know, they can rub uh, Usi hot on them on themselves and still come back and be tag champs. Like, sure, you know what I mean. I, I'm not worried about the revival. This to me just just feels like poking the fan base a little bit. Yeah. Um, but while the revival were cutting that promo, we turned to the side and there's a brawl going on down the hall. And it's Lacey Evans, Bailey, and Sasha all brawling in the hall. Sasha has injured her ankle, and uh, Bailey and Lacey are getting into it. And later on, we see Sasha getting tended to by the medics and saying, "Oh, that Lacey!" And Bailey's like, "Oh, that Lacey! I'll beat her up. I'll break her bones when I get my hands on her." And Adam Pierce, indie who? talent and apparently now WWE producer, right? Who they just don't even make—they don't tell us who he is until after the segment. He just shows up and says. Hey Bailey, you're contractually obligated. Sasha, you're contractually obligated to have a match with Lacey tonight. Uh, that match has to happen, and if you can't go, then Bailey's going to do it. And Bailey's like, "What?" Sasha's like, "What? That's bullshit." Blah blah blah. Chirp, 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 chirp. Uh, and Adam Pierce says, "Sorry, it's next. Go on." So then, then they introduce who Adam Pierce is later on commentary. I want to go like, back oh, to yeah, the hallway what? segment real quick. Lacey okay. Evans. Lacey Evans, Facey Evans, as I'm affectionately calling her now, Facey Evans, because she's a mom and she's a Marine, ex-Marine. Well, you're never an ex-Marine. You're always a Marine. Uh, Took out and basically punked two of your top women in Sasha Banks and Bailey, and had to get drug off of them, punked them. And let's be clear, Nick, it didn't end there. Uh, Bailey and and Lacey had that match, and after a, a decent match, Lacey wins with the like Bailey was getting a lot of offense and Lacey just pulled out a woman's right and pinned Bailey. She got knocked the f out. That it woman's was really right. Good, <laughs> that was, was a good, good. woman's right. <laughs> it looked it looked like it would knock you out. So yeah. that's in that sense it was a good and and Lacey looked like she was out of it too as she pinned Bailey. So from that standpoint I was fine with it. But overall uh it, yeah, Lacey is is looking really strong against Bailey and Sasha who Sasha is, I don't know what kind of heat she's going for right now because uh, she keeps dodging matches or like, I've got to work on my album or whatever. And it just, I don't, she's not being used and then at all. And then Bailey is not a strong enough champ or heel to be convincing as the kind of enforcer role, I guess, or the person who's like keeping it together while Sasha's off doing her thing. Uh, you're not really sure. Like you, uh, the whole thing is not clicking Quite right for me, Nick. And the sad part about this is that they went all in on this for Bailey, and it's it's not yeah. none of it has worked. And they're gonna take that title off of her and put it on Lacey Evans. And then and right what? now, 
And I then no, like, I kind of feel like they should. Absolutely, like they, they should. should. And then have Sasha come back and be like, "Okay, all I'm of take this it will have been with Lacey will have been for naught the last two to three months of face turn Lacey Evans." Oh, no, if won't they be for don't, not. oh come on. Oh, if they don't, if they no, if they don't put the title on her, yes, right. And yeah. and but the question is, is like you kind of just threw all the chips on the table with heel Bailey turn, mm. and now what? Bailey and Bailey's not really a good heel. And you yeah. kind of got rid of all of her hugs and Bailey buddies and all of that. We talked about this, I feel like, six months ago, four, five, six months ago, when they first did it. And we loved the way that they did it, but I remember specifically saying, yeah. that's a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> it better work. <laughs> well, or you know what's, what else? What's funny is I don't feel like heel Sami Zayn hit his stride until a year, year and a half after he turned. Whereas heel Sami Zayn now is solid gold, right? He is, he is nailing his heel stuff, nailing it, crushing it. Those You're referring to when he him. was doing the stuff with Bobby Lashley and the obstacle course with Braun oh. and things like that. It was cringy. It was awful. Oh, it was yeah. horrible. And he, hasn't, he hadn't quite hit his stride in well, being the mouthy, uh, annoying, arrogant heel. He had to find the Sammy Castro character, right? The right wardrobe and all sure, of that. Sure, the, 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 re- yeah. the emancipator of Shinsuke. Like, that's when it, I, I feel it really gelled. Like, he was getting some good stuff in before that, but it really has gelled right now. Yeah. We'll talk about that more in a second. But maybe Bailey needs that, too. I don't know if she's the performer that Sami Zayn is, though. But maybe she just needs to figure it out, too. I don't know if having her be the heel champ was the right plan, uh, but definitely, I see why they did it at the time. But it's yeah, something's just not gelling here, Nick. Yeah, it's just not quite gelling. It's still better than AEW's women division, but it's not. Oh yeah, it's not quite clicking. But yeah, so now Lacey has a title shot at Royal Rumble. Um, I'm I'm still stuck on random authority figure Adam Pierce, and no explanation given. Like, okay, there's a just a random producer telling you what to do. All right. Um, did they just say, well, we need an authority figure to come in. Just you do it. I think Esme just nailed it in the chat. And it's what I've thought all along with the return of Tyler breeze, the return of, of Prince Finn back to NXT. I think that's exactly, had they done that with Bailey, I think it would have worked out better. Nope. 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 Bailey's not going back to NXT. She's too big of a star right now. I mean, mean, back then. And that, that women's division down there is hacked. There's no room. Yeah. They got to pull someone out of that. So, so was the men's division, but look what they did with Finn Balor. He's he's a prominent figure again. So I, I wouldn't rule that out. I would anyway. say there was room for Finn. They found room for Finn. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about what I know was one of your favorite segments, Otis Dozovich. Segment of the week. And, and oh my God. And uh, Mandy Rose, their 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 love is still blossoming. Oh. But this week, Sonya Deville asked Mandy Rose if she would have Otis ringside for her match against Alexa Bliss. Mandy's like, why? Why? Sonya's like, just trust me. I know what I'm doing. He's a good luck so charm. Sure. That belly, so she, you know, his well, hip gyrations are she, all a good luck charm. I think she thought that he was going to distract Alexa Bliss. Of course, that plan backfired when Mandy got knocked off of the uh, ring apron into the arms of Otis Dozovich, which distracted the hell out of, uh, of Sonya Deville. And Alexa got the surprise roll up. One, two, three. And Otis was just left kind of, I don't know, Mandy got in the ring, was really apologetic to Sonya, and Sonya's like, what are you doing? And Mandy's like, I just, you know, I got hit. And Otis was outside just gyrating and like, ah, she fell into my arms. Hoorah! Hoorah! If you did not feel something, 
I'm a bust when, for a while and go, oh, yeah. When you saw Otis and Mandy look into each other's eyes as he was cradling her after catching her, then you don't have a soul. I'm sorry. I must not have a soul. You, I must not have well, a soul, Nick. we've listened to your podcast, Horrorpalooza. There's no way you have a soul after watching that many <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> no, this is, look, this, <laughs> the difference between this and what's going on with Lana and Lashley and Rusev. This is pure and organic, and it's it hits you right where in the feels. That is trash TV dog shit. And the catch was awesome. The looks are awesome. The interplay between the two of them is genuine and real and organic, and it just makes you buy in. You have to cheer for them. You have to cheer for Otis specifically. You know, the underdog football player that uh, just trying to get the girl, and just all of that. You know, I, that's the way I look at this, and that's why it has my heart and my attention. And it's interesting, jo uh, Jonathan, who was there, just said in the chat, it was slow during the match. No one knew who to, to root for. And I wonder if this is more of a TV uh, storyline, a TV thing. It doesn't doesn't play as well live. It, it's for the meme. It's for the YouTubes. You know, it's it's that's what it's for. It's not for the live audience. Yeah, well, obviously. Yeah. It's barely for this audience. Um, I I think it's cute. I'm not as over the moon about it as you are. I, I've, there's been segments that I've been like, that's pretty adorable. And Otis, of course, is a great performer. Oh, yeah. I'm curious where they're going with this. It's definitely, as you said, it's unlike anything else like that they've done, Beauty and the Beast kind of storyline. I haven't seen one of these in a long time. Um, so I'm curious where they're going. I yeah. don't know if it's got enough water to hold all these performers in it. That's a lot of people circling this this one little tip, you know, tidbit. But, I think they've uh, accidentally stumbled into it. It's and they're just kind of going with it, kind of like the Kofi been running, Mania stuff. Otis last and Mandy have been running this program on Twitter since NXT. Oh yeah, and it finally bit. <laughs> Someone finally bit on it. Somebody yeah. finally it caught their attention, and it's just steer the ship well, into Vince, it and let it happen. I think Vince finally saw them next to each other and went, "Ha ha ha! I get it now." Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk more about Sami Zayn, specifically the fact. That uh, Elias was uh, well. Let's start with let's start with the top here. Braun Strowman backstage saying, "I've beat Nakamura twice. I want my Intercontinental Championship match next week. Week after Royal Rumble. Don't care. Want the match." Elias is out singing a song to the Greensboro crowd, and Sami Zayn, Nakamura, and Cesaro interrupt him and say, "Elias, shut up. We have to respond to Braun Strowman, and that is that you're never getting that match. Screw you, pal. F you. And by the way, Elias, F you too." And Elias goes, no, you know what? F you. I'm going to sing a song about you guys. And he starts mocking them. And they all come down and beat the crap out of Elias. But, of course, while Elias is getting beat down, out comes Braun Strowman for the save. He stands tall, tosses everyone aside, including Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, did, did, did this feel like mid-card hell to you? Or was this a good program to build up for the Intercontinental Championship? Uh, it's about the best way we could get there. Uh, there feel, really? It feels like well, it feels like there's nothing to do with with Shinsuke Nakamura right now, and that is the saddest thing I think I've ever had to say on this show. Um, the fact the sooner we can get that title off of him and onto Braun or I don't know five six other people that are more prominent on TV and more anyway. Sammy's doing I'm fine. I I I don't I don't like what they've done with Shinsuke since he's come to the main roster, basically since the heel turn. I don't like anything that they've really done with him. Dick punches, somewhat mediocre matches with AJ that just descended into dick punches, and now we've got now he's got a mouthpiece, which, why didn't you do that in the beginning when you knew he couldn't speak English well? 
God, it's infuriating. You know, a lot of this stuff should seem obvious. Well, they even made Roman say they made Roman say suffer and suck a tash back in the day. So they don't nail, nail everyone off the bat. Fine. I will say this: I do like Cesaro and Sammy framing Nakamura with the belt. Nakamura standing back there, being kind of pompous, and yeah. then Cesaro as the muscle and Sammy as the mouth. I kind of dig that setup. Like that's actually working for me in terms of presentation of Nakamura. If you didn't watch the show and you tuned in and you went, "That's a champion." He's surrounded by these like this little like. Sami Zayn, and then Cesaro standing there looking like, you know, a Swiss hitman. Yeah. It kind of works. It kind of works. But then, of course, Braun Strowman comes out, and you go, oh, no, never mind. That guy should be the champ because he's huge and scary. Um, and you can I, talk, I just, man. I his, just get Zeb Coulter, Jack Swagger, and Cesaro vibes again when I'm seeing this threesome up there. Ooh. You know? And I, that's just, uh, you know, it's, it's almost a recreation of that thing where Jack Swagger stood there with doing saying nothing other than we the people, and you had Zeb Coulter running his mouth, being an annoying little ant flying around in your ear, and Cesaro standing there looking like a badass. Like that's kind of what they did six, seven years ago when they were all. On. So that's what I'm thinking about when I see this. I don't like it at all. Uh, I don't like how they've trivialized one of the most enigmatic superstars maybe ever in Shinsuke Nakamura, and I'm mad at all of it. I want the title off of him. I want them to figure out what to do with Shinsuke. I know he's very comfortable. He's getting a big, fat paycheck now, but like, I just I want him to go back to what made him so popular. I, you could go to a live event with him coming out, and the entire crowd would be humming the his humming. entrance song. Singing at the top Roaring, of their lungs. Right? Yeah. Roaring his entrance song. But now that they've made it a rap song, it's, you can't do that anymore. You've killed. Which was kind of the point. The, you make him heal. They don't want people singing along to his song. It was. I made sense at the time. That was the death of it, though. It, it did hurt. It did hurt. It was a. It was a bad call. Yeah. Um. One little quick thing I do want to say. Just Sam. When Braun came out, um, and they're all beating up Elias. That music hit, and Sami Zayn. It was like he got electric prod stuck up his butt. He just went. Ah! And his hat went flying off. It was a great sell of Braun. It was a great way to sell the fear that they genuinely have. Even if they like, oh, no, no, we got this. Afterwards, it, it, that's how you sell as a heel that the good guy intimidates you. You know what I mean? Like That was an awesome little moment. And I just wanted to say like another thing that Sammy's doing that's great as a heel yeah. is putting over the good guys Sammy's like that. Sammy's fantastic. So. Sammy so, is just like – it's almost like he can do no wrong in my opinion. I'm I'm liking Sammy Cesaro Nakamura. I think it could be tweaked a little bit, but I I'm actually liking it. I liked it this week. Make it official. Uh, make it a faction. Make it something. Keep recruiting people. Keep you know do something with it. Don't just yeah. look like it's some ad hoc thrown together thing. Yeah, there's a lot what of it lot feels of, like now. There's a lot of three guy teams going on right yeah. now, and that's and you got to be something a little bit different would be nice. Yeah. Um. Also, something I want to see different is maybe a few less short jokes thrown at Chad Gable. But no, we're back to Sheamus making short jokes at Chad Gable backstage. And Gable, of course, you know, after a little promo where he said, I've chosen to embrace my shortcomings. Ha, ha, ha. Did you? Because Sheamus bullies you for about 30 seconds and you attack him and beat the crap out of him, leave him fuming, and walk off down the hall. You and Sheamus are going to have a singles match at Royal Rumble. Um, okay. Yeah, okay, fine. I, is Cool. This is how we're bringing back Sheamus. It's, 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 it's kind of an ignominious return for Sheamus, isn't it? Yeah. I, like, you're coming back and you're making short jokes on on Shorty Gable, which I'm, I still refuse to say actually about him when I'm talking about him. 
only when I'm talking about the fact that it sucks will I reference that. Um, or are they trying to put over Gable here? Is this another like kind of what they do with Corbin, where they're trying to get Gable over? And I, if so, I, will it will it work? Uh, I mean, they had him over with American Alpha. It was done. It, <laughs> it wrote itself. Yeah, but they've got to, obviously they got to, they got to turn somehow. Yeah. And instead, we're getting Shorty Gable fighting the tall guys. Who I don't know. I, I just don't care. I don't. I don't like it. I, I'm beyond not caring about it. I don't like it. No, I've gone from I don't like it to I just I. I look at my phone for five minutes. You know, it's I, I just it's next, move on, it, and it's sad because Sheamus is is awesome, and Chad Gable is awesome, and their they match both will feel, probably be. They they both now feel somewhat trivialized with with yeah. this uh, segment because of the way that they've, you know, taken Gable down to Shorty G in basketball gear and sneakers, a, a legit wrestler that used to be in a singlet and he wore like laced up big boots and just he looked like the next coming well, of Kurt Angle. They're and trying to WWE character him, you know, like gimmick him, you know what I mean? Stupid. He but you know what? He needed something to connect him to the crowd. I understand why they did that. We've talked about it before where Vince does that to try and make you connect with the crowd and give you like just an iconography to to people you come out and people go, I know what he is. I know who he is. Okay. Yeah. In that sense, it makes sense. I just hate the one they picked. The Shorty G thing is atrocious. Uh, I'm hoping that he and Sheamus go out and just have a baller match and we can, you know, try and ignore all the other stuff. It will probably be on the pre-show. You are correct. So, Nick, that was SmackDown uh, and uh, and the week of wrestling. And what a week it was. Yes, it was. It was. You got to sit and (sighs) watch me uh, watch Raw with me and watch me eat. Watch me destroy Jersey Mike's. <laughs> I did. Uh, wildly hung over, and it was it yeah. was it was it was joyous. Yeah, it was joyous. Well, Ian, uh, that's all of the graps for the week. Um, but we always like to end. Thank you to our patron Sean Clark again. This is your segment, sir, with a moment of positivity. Yes. So, Ian, I'll let you go first this week. Uh, what was your what made you happy in the world of professional wrestling this week? What was your uh, one moment, if you had to pick one? Women's Rumble. I, I was going to go with Keith Lee uh, turn, becoming angry Lee, but I, I got to say the Women's Rumble. And it was the moment when Shayna got in the ring, and I just I sat bolt up, I sat up, and I was like, oh, business has picked up. What do we have here? And just that kind of that grin I had on my face, I looked at everyone in the ring, and Shayna, and the fact that there were like, I mean, of the 15 women in that ring, 10 of those were potential, like future absolute superstars. And the rest, the jury's still out and they could absolutely still be. Like, that's a crap ton of talent. And then they went and had the match and it was fantastic. But that moment where I just went, damn, Shayna looks awesome. She feels awesome against all of them. She's a made woman. But then look at the rest of that talent. That moment, I just went, that's, this is awesome. Props to NXT for the... Because I had seen that second after AEW, and I was still stewing over the women's division there, going, how can they improve? I'm like, and just, my God, the depth of talent in NXT. So that was a, a moment where I just got a big old grin on my face and went, that's, this is great. I'm happy for NXT. I'm happy for these women. I'm, I, I was super psyched for that match. Uh, Shayna's a, a made woman, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, I was very, very positive in that moment. There were, um, I agree with that one. 
that it wasn't going to be mine, but the hearing you talk about it and especially making the Rorschach reference uh, earlier, and I, you're, I'm not in here with all of you. You're all in here with me. And I went when you said that earlier. I just went, oh yeah, okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, I think my moment of positivity for the week, even though it didn't end very well for them, was seeing Diamond Dallas Page wrestle again. Ooh, damn it. That's a good one. And I, there were a lot of... This one was hard for me to pick this week because mm. pretty much top to bottom, top to freaking bottom, going all the way back last weekend to NXT Blackpool. Sorry. NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2. Going all the way back the, the entire <laughs> week this week has been absolutely phenomenal. Good, good week. It has been it a good really, week. really good week. And knowing that we've got Rumble next weekend as well, it's going to be a phenomenal week of go-home shows we hope, next week. So part of my moment of positivity is that what I said at the top of the show, holy smokes, uh, we've had a, we're in a different time period right now. It's like, you know, I'm pinching myself, making sure I'm awake yeah. because I'm enjoying wrestling so much right now. Remember 2015 where you'd be lucky to get like one good segment out of a week and there was like pretty much only two to three shows, maybe four you'd watch in a week and now it's just nothing but it's all so much of it's yeah. good. There's so much out there that's good. It's it's insane. Like we're two weeks, two almost three weeks into 2020, and it's like, is this real life? We've, we've already got what four matches of the year contenders like, already. Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> kicked it <laughs> off, and all, like all ah! like just from Wrestle Kingdom to now, like the last two weeks, just oh my god, wrestling's everywhere. Uh, but yes, seeing DDP wrestle again was the one that I picked for this week, regardless of what happened in the match or how he got there. Oh, but no. seeing that, that dude do a top rope crowd. spot to the outside of the ring in his 60s, the entire crowd coming out with the diamond the, cutter, oh, uh, just huge pop Beautiful. for me. And it was one of those where I was just like, I don't know whether I'm emotional right now or not, but this is awesome. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Talk amongst yeah. yourselves. No. Yep. Seeing Clint- DDP was, was fantastic. Agreed. And we did just good order stuff. DDP yoga, by the way. I'll I, let you guys know what we think. Because he's such in such good shape. <laughs> Be, right, because I'm... Um, no, not because he's in good shape. All the stories that you hear about. He looks right? so good. I've got to... Yeah, no, I've had And seeing him come out and um, the stories with Cod, Scott Hall, uh, several other folks that you see out on the internets and stuff like that about how it's changed their lives. And look, I, me sitting down next to you watching Raw eating a giant housing. Not just eating. I destroyed a giant Jersey Mike sandwich, and I do that pretty regularly. And I'm starting to look you at myself. You destroyed going, it. You destroyed a, a a big one in the time it took me to eat half of my small one. Right. That's yeah. So I, I I'm in my 40s now. Like shit's starting to slow down. Like uh, so I it's one of those things where <laughs> phrasing Nick phrasing. Yeah. So I, you know we're gonna try and do some yoga. I'm I'm pretty broken when it comes to doing like exercise exercise. But doing some things like this is—I've been inspired. So let's, yes, let's let's hit up let's hit up DDP and see if some sponsorship can happen for hey, the show here. Absolutely, man. We'll see right. if we can get an affiliate code or something. But yes, right. there you go, Sean, and the rest of the phenomenal ones. Those are our moments of positivity. Please be sure to send us a tweet or post in the group. Let us know what your moment of positivity was. But we're not done just yet. We've got nope. just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep 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 beep. beep. All right, of course, starting off with the ratings news, AEW continues to dominate NXT. It doubled NXT in the 18-49 to 49 demo, 0. 0.51 to 0. 0.26. Good mm. lord. They mm. were only up about uh, 90,000 in terms of ratings, total viewers. Uh, AEW, uh, excuse me, they're up 240,000 this week. Excuse me, I was looking at the average. 240,000 and uh, AEW beat them by. Good lord, 940,000. 
just about 7,000 less than last week for AEW. 700,000, down 21,000 from last week for NXT. Wow. NXT still only winning in the over 50s demographic, just getting annihilated in the 18 to 49, which is, which is bananas. I, I can't believe how annihilated they're getting in that, uh, in that, that ratings demo. But yeah, it's, uh, both seem to have settled to their, their levels right now. I have so many questions. I, I want to I know. We don't have to answer them all or speculate. But I, I, no, I, we, we got to go. Who, who's watching AEW first? Who's DVRing it? Who's waiting till Thursday night at 10 p.m. Who's Eastern to network? watch it on the who's network? Getting, exactly. You know, all of those things. Like, Where does that come into these calculations? Uh, I, I have to admit, you know, I watch AEW first. Too. I, don't, I don't get to watch it live very often, but I have it on the bar. Uh, and then I got to watch NXT later as well because I know it's going to be on the network, the full version, yeah. uh, with no commercials. So... Yeah, that's. I, I have a feeling that's probably playing into the demos. It's just accessibility and how people are watching it. Yep. So, uh, but again, that's all speculation. Other news. Uh, you remember uh, Nick? Last week we were talking about the fact that Triple H made a a bad joke uh, about Paige while he was being interviewed after NXT Takeover Blackpool two. No, NXT UK Takeover Blackpool two. God there damn it! Go. Um, and uh, said something to the effect of Paige probably has some kids she doesn't know about. Uh, who knows what the hell he was trying to refer to with that joke. I don't even know what that was referring to. But Paige took offense. Her boyfriend took offense. Um, and by offense, we mean it hurt her feelings. And I think that's something that people need to realize. There's a difference between being offended and having something hurt your feelings. Um, and to say that there's too, too much being offended going on today is, okay, that's a debatable point. But if, so, if someone says something and it hurts your feelings because it's personally directed at you, that is a different thing altogether. And we said last week the best thing that Triple H could do would be to own it, talk to Paige privately, and then put something out saying essentially, hey, everybody, I talked to Paige about this. I'm sorry if anyone else was offended by it. All right, that's, that's done. And that's pretty much what he said. Um, he tweeted out, uh, where did I put that? Uh, I've reached out to real Paige. To, I've reached out to Paige to apologize. I've made a terrible joke, and I'm sorry if it offended her or anyone else. Um, and a lot of people were like, oh, you, you don't worry about being offended. You got to be. He said he's going to apologize. He has apologized to Paige, meaning he said he's sorry to her. And he's sorry if it offended anybody else because no one else is going to have their feelings hurt by it, just Paige. Other people can be offended by it. Paige is the one who can have her feelings hurt. So he reached out to her. She responded by saying, obviously, I was a little bit perplexed, a little bit taken aback because he's someone I truly look up to. And he's, oh, he's always been very respectful. So I just feel like he kind of got caught up maybe in a joke. But I just don't think it was appropriate to joke about. I don't know. It's just something that I'm not going to continually keep talking about because I feel like people in the, on the internet have done a pretty good job of that. So water under the bridge. He's apologized. She's pretty much accepted it. Um, everyone else let it go. It's between them. Yeah. Uh, and that's that. However, not between necessarily just them is the issues going on with Tessa Blanchard because, of course, right before her match with Sammy Callahan, where she won the Impact World Championship, she was accused of a number of things, bullying, racism, uh, and she finally came out and gave a, a statement online. She said on Twitter, over the last week, I've been accused of calling a fellow wrestler a racial slur. To read this allegation has been personally upsetting. To be clear, I absolutely did not use that word. She's referring to the N-word she called uh, La Rosa Negra in Japan. Uh, that word is not in my vocabulary. That word is not in my heart. Racism is not in my heart. Yet I know many people have to deal with racism in a way I will never have to. Racism is an awful part of American history, and it is equally awful that it's still part of our society today. While I did not do what was claimed, I stand ready to use my platform to support the fight against racism however I can. So, full-on denial that she did that in Japan. 
Ian, we've um, we've received a message or two saying that we went we went pretty ham on Cornette, Lagana, and NWA for yeah. the things that went down with him with with Cornette specifically. Um, and we've received. I thought we were. I thought we were fair about it. We were. But we. But what I'm getting to is that the me- we received a message this morning saying that, and I wanted to address it here on the show with you that. Uh, it, that we weren't going in, we were just being ho hum with Tessa, and that we weren't uh, going in as hard. And and the thing I'd like to say about that is I can find uh. a dozen videos on YouTube, uh, and the internets of Cornet using the N word, Cornet mfing somebody, Cornet making fun of somebody's race, tearing somebody down. And I say that as someone that came up with Cornet, and I say that as someone that thinks that he's one of the um arguably one of the masterminds of wrestling of, uh, in history that has yep. the the levels of history and knowledge of the business and his museum and all of that stuff. It, may, it pains me to say that and know those things. I don't know Tessa Blanchard. I am a massive fan of Tessa Blanchard since I saw her in the first Mae Young Classic. I've Everything that we have seen so far is hearsay. It's he she said, she said. We've, we don't have video evidence. We don't have any hard evidence like we do with Cornette. So I'm not ho-hum about this. I want to be clear. If, if, if there is damning evidence that she did do these things, but I'm, I'm an innocent until proven guilty kind of guy, I'm going to give someone the benefit of the doubt until they can be proven that they did say these things. I don't know that she did or didn't, but I'm not going to come after her like we did with Cornette when we have mountains of evidence that he can just be well, that old curmudgeon sometimes. And also, to be clear, the issue with, with Cornette was that he made a joke that he didn't intend as racist. He was actually trying to make a joke about famine <laughs> instead of race. It just came off as racist. Um, and to, and to be fair, we went, more, we went harder in on Lagana than we did on Cornette. Tr- right, exactly. And also, with Cornette, like we said, you, you, know, you know what you're going to get with Cornette. Yeah. He's not a, he's not a nice guy. You know what you're signing um, up for. <laughs> yeah, and, but he's also, I think, very socially progressive in a lot of his politics if you actually follow him um that being said does he have racism in his heart I, maybe possibly quite likely <laughs> but at the same time um the particular joke that he made i thought was just in extremely extremely poor taste yeah um and in addition it was just him not being aware of modern standards so we absolutely came down on him it was a dumb joke and he you know, if he's going to make those kinds of jokes, he probably should be reined in. You can't rein in Cornette, so he probably shouldn't be on TV. Right. With Tessa, in this particular case, there are witnesses, and actually there was one of the witnesses, Allison Kay, and she tweeted out in response to this, you can try to babyface the fans, but the majority of our peers know Rosa's story is true, and that's what matters. I really hope that one day the other two witnesses of this incident come forward and further expose you as not only a racist, but a liar and an undeniable scumbag. And to be clear... Um, honestly, this has really tainted my view of Tessa. Yes. Uh, the fact that this is being, you know, said so just by Allison Kay's putting her career on the line here too, by saying this, um, is Twitter the best place to do this? No, but you know, at the same time, if you feel strongly that someone is getting a claim that they shouldn't be getting, you do what Allison Kay is doing right here and put it in a public forum. If what she's saying is true, then I would have to agree with her. That does make Tessa a bit of a scumbag, quite a bit of a scumbag. Agreed. Um, and and as I said in our in our chat, um, you can use that word hurtfully and still not be a racist in day to day life. 
but it does make you someone that will use that is that is that is intentionally hurtful, and you're using that that term to be hurtful, um, using racism as a weapon essentially, and that I think is just as bad as if you were like you know an actual full blood racist. Right. So either that's why people get so mad at it. I I don't want to drag this this show down, and I think we've already kind of gotten a little bit heavy here, but. The bottom line is, is that if, if you think we're, we're ho-hum on, on Tessa, to be clear, we're not, we're not being ho-hum. We're being, it, make, it makes us very tense that this is, this is going on out there, and it's changed my view of Tessa. Now there's a question mark in my head about her. That's the great instead point. Of before, instead of before where I was like, all in on Tessa, now I'm sitting here going, uh, yeah. yeah, except for that thing. So now I got my eye on you. Are you is this really who you are? That's is what we've heard about you really what you are. Yeah. And so now I, and when, and we did not sell, normally we would have celebrated the hell out of the fact that Tessa won that championship. We about this is amazing. A huge step forward. She totally deserves it. And instead we were kind of like, all right, she's the champ. What now? So it really did. It, it, it's it been overshadowed some, by this controversy. The fact it threw that, some that milestone. Cold, some, yeah. It threw some cold pee on that fire. Yeah. For, for, for me. And I think for you as well. Now. Absolutely. So just to be clear, not ho hum on, not on this ho-hum. thing with Tessa at all. <laughs> uh, uh-uh. uh, not not gives me the gives me the heebie-jeebies even talking about it. Yeah. Um, but and it also it also I think is um, you know when you've got people that are coming forward saying this is absolutely happening, there are witnesses, and then she straight up denies it. That also makes me very nervous. As me well. too, and and it makes uh, me want to give somebody their day in court when they abjectly deny it like that. I want to hear both sides of the story. I want to, I want somebody to present some evidence. You know. Yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, she says like, she's got two other witnesses, and they're just worried about coming forward uh, because it is. I mean, Tessa's becoming a pretty powerful person, so yep. you can understand why that would be. Agreed. Uh, in more lighthearted news, AEW has extended its TV contract on TNT through 2023. TNT apparently likes what it sees from AEW. Not only did it give it a deal through 2023, it gave it a second TV show. They're getting another show on TNT. It will likely be AEW Dark. Will will not be on YouTube anymore, and it will actually be on Tuesday nights on TNT. Please so, keep putting it on YouTube as well. You know, uh, I think they'll find other YouTube content. All to right. be honest with you, or they might find more content for Dark. We'll see. All I know is apparently TNT is loving them some AEW. Speaking of AEW, multi-year deal. Taz, a boy, Taz has officially signed for a number of years with AEW to be a commentator and probably a brain to pick for a lot of the young kids backstage at AEW. So good pick up there. Yes. And also, in signing news for AEW, uh, even though Melissa Santos has denied that he has signed anything on the dotted line, which I think is telling in her phraseology there, apparently, according to Wrestling Observer, Brian Cage is this close to signing with AEW, just hasn't been finalized yet. So uh, that is the scuttlebutt, is that he's going there and mm. not WWE. Uh, as soon as that happens, Nick, I know you will be very, very oh, excited. Oh, yes. To have oh, yes. some cage in AEW. They, fi- they uh, will speak- finally have a giant monster uh, of, a, of a wrestler on He's only staff. like 5'11", though. I he's, know. Not like giant, he's not like the size of Wardlow or, or, or Jake Hager. But dude, he's just yoked. yoked. He's swole. He's swole. Uh... In other signing news in WWE, Elias and Kalisto have signed multi-year extensions, so they'll be around for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, Killer <laughs> Cross is being talked about as very likely going to NXT. Apparently, they're very interested in him, mostly because of his look. But he is uh, Killer Cross is debuting in MLW on Saturday, Saturday, February 1st. He'll be facing off against the filthy one, filthy Tom Lawler in mm. Killer Cross at Fightland on February 1st. That should be that's gonna be a fun, that's gonna be actually a really good debut match for him. Also at, uh, on Fightland, uh, Jacob Fatu, the MLW World Heavyweight Champion, will be defending his title against Shima. Uh, Daily Screw Shima moment right here. Okay. You, you, you think I'm down on, on Tessa Blanchard, man. I, I just uh, did some research on Shima and found out he was involved in a, a monkey torturing scandal. Oh, so, man. Yeah, dude. I, I'm still researching that, but it's, it's, not, it's not good. Uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. versus Eric Stevens. Brian Pillman Jr. versus Jimmy Havoc mm. with, of course, Priscilla Kelly. Of course. Priscilla Kelly. Uh, so it looks like a decent show for Fightland. MLW doing the work. Uh, NWA News. Nick Aldis will be facing off against Flip Gordon at the Hard Times pay-per-view. The what? NWA Hard Times pay-per-view. Yeah, that's a, that's a crossover with Ring of Honor. So NWA, not only do they have Marty Skrull working with them, now they got Flip Gordon working I, with them. I had heard it was Ricky Morton was going to challenge uh, for the uh, – okay. Flip Gordon. So apparently we're seeing some a uh, little bit of crossover here. I did a little uh, bit between- of traveling this week, so I'm a little behind on my NWA and MLW. But I had, I had saw something that it was Ricky Morton that was going to be challenging Aldis. Interesting. Okay. So this huh. it is, and, and Marty Skrull is now in charge of uh, Ring of Honor reaching out to other to other promotions. So far, it looks like he's got some stuff going with New Japan and Ring of and Ring of Honor. So, or excuse me, and NWA. So, hello, Marty, doing the work. No kidding. Um, speaking of impact, I don't know if you saw the RVD segment, Nick. That uh, his his follow up to the pay per view. But uh, RVD was lying in a bed covered in rose petals, and both of his girlfriends were nearly naked and got more naked as the segment went on, so they were covered only in whipped cream and a thong. And uh, he was talking about how much he's living his best life. And you know what? Props to you, RVD. Just maybe don't put that segment on Twitch because you got banned. <laughs> yeah. Impact got banned from Twitch because of the segment because uh, it was just too sexual, and you can't do that on Twitch. Nope. So I have a feeling that they will renegotiate it. They'll get it back up on Twitch, but just in the meantime... Kind of hilarious that uh, twenty in twenty twenty RVD. And this is the joke everyone's making, but god, god damn it, it's true. Twenty twenty RVD has become Val Venus, and Val Venus is off selling weed, so he's become RVD. Nice. What what <laughs> even is life? What even is life? What even is life? Uh, also, in Impact News, it's going to become TNA again. What at Wrestle at WrestleCon on April third? Uh, tickets are on sale Monday, January twentieth at twelve Eastern. Uh, Impact will become. TNA, it was going to be, and there's going to be some reunions of like old TNA talent are going to come back and wrestle for well, it. Well, half so. of them are in WWE right now, so I don't, I don't, <laughs> what I don't you, know how you're going to do, do that. Yeah. <laughs> the weekend of WrestleMania as well, it appears. Right, they haven't announced any huh. uh, anything yet, but that's yeah, very interesting. <laughs> I loved blue, I love blue meanie tweeting it out, tweeting out and saying, uh, I still call it TNA. <laughs> I, I find myself then. doing it from time to time yeah. as well. <laughs> We've done it on the show. Yeah, uh, Gilbert is retiring. He'll be retiring February 28th in Glen Burnie, Maryland, and his last match will be against James Ellsworth. Yes. <laughs> All right, then. All right. Uh, fair enough. Uh, he had a good run, I guess. Uh, as you may recall, LaParka passed away earlier this week. Rest in peace, LaParka. But he wasn't the original LaParka. The original LaParka is currently worrying as L.A. Park, but he's announced that he will actually be retiring that name as well and working under a new name out of respect 
for the recently departed La Parca. So props, L.A. Park. Yeah. Uh, and finally, finally, we mentioned earlier about uh, Corey's podcast. Interesting this week. Uh, he got me. I, I had to talk about this because it was just it was just too ironic. He uh, he said this week that WWE television is so bad that lately it makes him physically angry. Uh, he ripped into the romantic storyline involving Rusev, Lana, Lashley, and Liv Morgan. Uh, and he said, quote, Last night I wasted three hours of my life enduring what was an insufferable television show. Raw was not all bad, but it left me with a really bad taste in my mouth. I watched Monday Night Raw from a very different perspective now. For many years I called every minute of the action was kind of stuck in the, quote, bubble. Whereas now I'm sitting on my couch in Pittsburgh next to my girlfriend and my dog, trying to enjoy Monday Night Raw as a fan. I don't watch it to pick it apart. Obviously, I watched it to talk about things after the bell because that's what I get paid to do. But man, oh man, last night was tough. It made me physically angry. Uh, What really set me off was the Lana Rusev and Bobby Lashley segment. It's not their fault, the talent, but the shows as a whole have just been lacking, and the segment has really set me off because I noticed they went to a wide shot in the middle of a match in this heated rivalry that has been brewing for months and months in a small eternity, and the entire crowd was silent. Huh. I wonder if you watched SmackDown this week. Yeah. <laughs> I so, thoroughly enjoyed Raw this week, Corey. Yeah, he's, it was complete apathy. It which feels the, like it's worth- a little bit of like poking the smarks. Like, yeah, it was sick. It, yeah, Corey's right. He's right. Yeah, Corey's right. Raw sucks. He's not a lashley. That's what it feels yeah. like to me. It's just like it's it's feeding the trolls. You know, it's it's doing all of that. It's it's teeing it up for them to go out and. You know, spread the vitriol even more and just sure. make people watch more Lana Lashley videos on YouTube because that's the goal. That's the end game. And what's that's so bad all about part it, of the Corey? scheme? Let me, let me go look. Let me go look. <laughs> um, I, I wish, I wish I could take that at face value, but not in this business and not from Corey Graves. Right. Right. And that's the, that is the news, Nick. Thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous, and thank you guys for joining us today on another action-packed episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast. And special shout-out to everybody that hung out with us today in the live chat over on YouTube. Hey, you know, there's a little bit of scuttlebutt out there that we might have a YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel? I wanted to clarify that right now, that yes, in fact, we do have a YouTube channel. We we live stream every show we do to YouTube now. Did you guys know this? If you're listening on the audio podcast... Maybe we hadn't made it clear, and I apologize for that. But, yeah, we've got a really awesome YouTube channel. You should come over and subscribe at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. And, hey, as a one-up, make sure you hit that little notification bell because you'll get you'll get little alerts on your phone anytime we put up new videos or we go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. But, hey, don't go anywhere. For those of you that are already here, and those of you that may be listening to this later, we also do a patron mailbag episode, which, if you remember, used to be the listener questions segment at the end of the show. We've created its own series now. Right after we do the show on Saturday, we're going to kick over and do another live stream, you guessed it, on YouTube, where if you yeah. were, if you were subscribed and had your notifications I, turned on, you'd see that we were going live it. again, right? So hang tight if you're watching right now. We're gonna we're gonna end this show, wrap this up, and kick over to do our patron mailbag episode. But get subscribed at YouTube.com/slash Busted Wide Open. We're heading into WrestleMania season. We got a lot Woo. of great content coming for you. We're looking into 2020 and beyond as to what we can do to amp the channel up. So be some of the early subscribers. Don't miss out. Get in and make sure you're subscribed. 
You can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Come join us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Busted Wide Open, like our page, and send us a joint request to get into the discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones where all of us hang out, post memes, news stories, all kinds of good stuff. It is sort of the hub of our operation, that discussion, discussion group, not disgusting group, discussion group on, <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, run by our trusty moderator, Sheriff McDonald. Oh. Just don't post spoilers, and you'll get along with him fine. But he sheriff. will be there to remind you that he still hates you all. Um, hat, hat tip to the sheriff. Hat tip to the sheriff. Hat tip to the sheriff. Pinned to the sheriff. top of that and our other social media profiles, you'll find links to our Discord server. You can also find it in the links below if you're watching here on YouTube or listening on orbitaljigsaw.com. You can find links to our Discord community where we have live chats constantly going all throughout the week for every single show and every pay-per-view dedicated channels for each but make sure you get into our discord community lots of new people showed up this week welcome to all of you that did thank you for joining us and uh, again as we get into wrestlemania season these shows are going to become more lively these uh um the pay-per-views we're going to have are going to have more meaning all kinds of good stuff we discuss all of it over in discord last and certainly not least the reason we do this show or the reason we do the next show i should say uh, but, we do this show but really, too. <laughs> we do this show, too, uh, is for our patrons. Patreon.com slash BWO is the best way to support the show. Uh, and it, thank you to everybody that gives your hard-earned dollars thank, every thank single you. month yes. uh, for us to do our bonus episodes, put up our show notes. Uh, all of that kind of all of those rewards are available to you guys exclusively over at Patreon.com slash BWO. And you want to get in on that because we're doing our next iteration, our next round our next chapter of our Patrons Pick'ems Challenge. And to do that, you got to be in at least the $5 tier. The value is at the $10 tier because you also get the bonus episode but every single month, but that's the good stuff. Uh, to get into yep. the Patron Pick'ems for Royal Rumble, go ahead and subscribe. It's going to be in January. Hit your 5 bucks a month, uh, and there you go. You'll be in and ready to make your Pick'ems and your confidence bets on Royal Rumble. So, man... That is the, that is where everything is. That is our housekeeping, I guess you should say. Yes, uh, sir. Yeah. Patreon.com slash BWO. Thank you guys for all of your support as we move into 2020. But my Indeed. name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! But somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.